just became a raven. Your art matters. It's what got me here. Hello and welcome to The Ravens, a One Tree Hill podcast. I'm Simon and I love One Tree Hill. I'm Dom and I've seen 19 episodes of One Tree Hill. I'm Alicia and I've seen One Tree Hill about five or six times. And tonight's episode for debate is season one, episode 19. How can you be sure? Luke, do you mind if we get a few words before your first game? Yeah, we're going to put it on the internet. Ravenshoops.com. Yeah, we're going to have a webcast and everything. What the hell is this? Well, we have this website. Yeah, we're sports announcers. Not in here, you're not. The locker room's closed. No media. Did you hear that? We're media. So welcome to The Ravens, a One Tree Hill podcast, where it's always 10.30 at night, so it's time to grab the snacks from the sweet cupboard, move on upstairs and settle in as tonight's episode for debate is season one episode 19 how can you be sure dom (laughs) we are here but we are not alone we are honored to have a guest with us today we have alicia from southeast london alicia welcome to the show Hey, happy to be here. It's uh, awesome to have you here. Dom, how are you? Uh, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Good. Everyone is good. <laughs> can <laughs> uh, Alicia, can you start with telling us about One Tree Hill and how it first entered into your life? Like, When was the first time you watched it? Uh, how many times have you watched it since then? You know, why does the show mean so much to you? Um, yeah, so for me, I I feel like I've probably started wa- watching One Tree Hill when I was too young for it. So I think I was maybe like 11 or... Because it came out in, what, 2003 um, in the US. But when it came over to the UK, it was on Channel 4. And we had limited, like, 1 to 5. So it would come on in the mornings, I think, with, like, Gilmore Girls on the lines. And we'd watch it in the summer holidays. So I think I started watching it pretty kind of young, just with my older brothers, um, and kind of just kept kept it going until the end. Um, and yes, yeah, so I've probably seen it in total about maybe five or six times, but in a kind of haphazard way. Um, and I just I love the show because I think it has kind of really interesting kind of a focus on as much as it's dramatic, like interesting characters with a lot of heart. And it just always, I always kind of resonated with it. Maybe I kind of was like thinking about what it's like in the US from London and just comparing the different lifestyles, this not fully understanding just how unrealistic it could be. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it just, it kind of stayed with me. And I, yeah, the particular characters that I really kind of connected with. And I love the focus on sport. I've always been sporty. And yeah, I just, I I love the show. And it it just, it's a feel good show that I can rewatch very easily. That's a great, great answer. I I also forgot, though, before we move any further, you almost snuck in there. I'm going to need you to raise your right hand right now. I'm going to need you to vow and promise that you will not spoil Dom throughout the duration of this podcast. We make everybody do it. We're an exclusive here. We are incredibly close to getting Paul Johansson on the podcast. He messaged me just the other day. Dom, unprompted, he messaged me. I didn't even message him. He messaged me because he reacted to a story I put up 
and he said, I need to come on. That's a quote. I sent a screenshot to you. Am I lying, Dom? You are not lying. You are telling the honest truth. He said, I need to come on. Uh, and he's got all these stories to, to tell. He said he's, uh, he's working on a script at the moment. That in about two weeks' time, he's coming on. And we will do the exact same thing to him. We will make him raise his right hand. Okay, that's, in- that's incredible. <laughs> and then now I'm thinking, am I gullible? Like... <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I swear, he's coming on. It's happening. Yeah, that's awesome. We, we often say that uh, he's a friend of the show. Uh, sometimes it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek jokey, but actually he has been in contact with Simon and has been messaging him. Um, and of course, I'm I'm not allowed to be involved with any sort of One Tree Hill <laughs> messaging or fan pages or anything like that or our Instagram or our email because uh, there's spoilers out there that people send or people comment on or mention. And Paul Johansson has been messaging Simon because he'll send me screenshots of of all his messages so he he actually follows us as well his actual page so if you if you go and find him you'll you'll see in his follow section that he follows us as well wow i mean guys you've arrived <laughs> <laughs> we've done it we made it in 90 it took us less than 19 episodes but bigger what? news than that bigger news than paul johansson is we have you here with us and that's way more important so let me see that right hand let me see it up. Okay, do you promise to not spoil Dom? I promise to not spoil Dom. Okay, perfect. You can spoil me as much as you want in like Patreon, you know, messages on the Patreon or Instagram or email, anyone. Send me your spoilers, send me your theories, but just we must leave precious Dom innocent through this. <laughs> <laughs> Alicia, we need to ask more questions. So you said that certain characters like resonated with you and you sort of connected with. So um, keeping it to season one, uh, what characters like initially, you know, drew you into it? Um, so for me, Peyton's my girl, number one. And I know, I, I, I'm not going to lie, guys, I really, really enjoy the hate you give her. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Peyton, absolutely. Um, because I think that kind of, she ha- you, she almost has no reason to be upset. Or when you meet her, she has no reason to be sarky. And you're just like, girl, like, come on. But I kind of, I, as you kind of unpick it, I kind of, I, I resonated with that feeling of maybe on the outside, everything seems okay, but there's just so much going on in her head that I think un- unpacking that was really interesting to kind of view and particularly the episode when her dad comes in, I think you guys mentioned that she's like a completely different person. It's like, oh, okay. So she is capable. She like has the capacity to experience joy. But, um, and like, it's just like these kind of late, I just, I really loved her. And, um, but then, and then Haley, I just think Haley's hilarious. And I'm probably more similar, I think in personality like I think the kind of keeping your emotions in your head and not speaking part, I resonate with Peyton, but in terms of actual personality, probably Hayley Moore. Um, and she's just absolutely fantastic. Like I just, I mean, she's a fictional character, but can't say a bad word about the girl. Um, and then I also, for the sport side, yeah, I mean, the boys are just, I, I think their characters are really interesting and Nathan maybe more so um, to seeing how he got to being bullish and how that was kind of 
unpacked and you see that really he's probably at his essence more of a sweet kid than lucas in my opinion um yeah um well from season one that's how it seems to me when you strip away <laughs> the kind of bluster he's kind of just this little boy just yearning for approval um in a way that i think lucas was given as a child that nathan wasn't and that i just i thought that was really interesting so yeah number one payton number two Haley, and probably yeah number three nathan I, I I love that. I love your ana- analysis of all of that. Such such great insight as well. Um, and you know the things you said. One, the preferring Nathan over Lucas thing, and 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 Simon has mentioned this before as well. Is that he's he focuses solely on Lucas from the first few episodes because that's that's the Lucas he tries to remember because that's that's the nice Lucas that then evolves like Nathan evolves into into that sort of character. Um, Simon's bringing out his his <laughs> mask, his his Chad Michael Murray mask again. It's just terrifying. The 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 resemblance is uncanny as well. I like. If uh, so. we we've yeah. done this before, where we've had to pick five for our basketball team. So you've picked your first three. So you have got Peyton Haley and Nathan. Are your fir- the first three members of your team? Who are the who are going to be the last two? Oh, Dan, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, like. Not a team player, but he'll he'll get you to the he'll get you to the net. Um, <laughs> and or a toss up between. I'm torn between Deb. I you know I do I love Brooke. Don't get me wrong, love Brooke. But toss up between Deb and Karen. <laughs> Ooh. Leaning towards Deb right now. Nice, nice, good choice. I like it. Good team. And I will just say, I mean, uh, as much as like I can go deep with the characters on a superficial level, Chad Mikamari did draw me in too. <laughs> <laughs> Drew me in as well. Drew me in as well. <laughs> it's, it's okay. My wife's aware. It's it's okay. It's been green lit. But the uh, firstly, just to say, you have a great voice for podcasting and. Like I'm listening, I was listening to you speak, and I was thinking, yeah, I'm the, <laughs> I'm the one that's going to be amateur here, <laughs> on on what's meant to be our podcast, and this is uh this is great, very good, good job. Well, one good. of one of us, one of us is out. That's it. <laughs> one it's of us me, is isn't it? I'm going. <laughs> I'm going. I'm being replaced. This is what you've done. This is a transitional episode, isn't it? <laughs> Well, that's really cool. Well, it's so Don was mentioning a couple things there about we've said about um, like we we've did the same what you just did of like our starting five characters for One Tree Hill. We did that on a bonus episode, but because we're I think this this would make us five episodes ahead of what we've been releasing. There's like a lot of content that people haven't heard yet. Um, we've been doing that. Because that we're gonna have a little break over Christmas, but we don't want it to, you know, break. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just for context, Dom, can you remember who your starting five was? I I think it's not too far away from Alicia's. So I've got um, definitely got Nathan, Dan as well. I think I had Brooke, Haley. I I, I think my last one might have been Debs as well, maybe. I'd have to go back and listen, but I'm I'm pretty sure 
we only had one difference and mine was that I included Brooke. So, yeah, not far off. Um, mine was very different. Love Brooke. Like, she is... Brooke is just incredible. I can't dispute that. <laughs> just connect with her as much. Oh, in this episode, I, I didn't connect with her at all at the <laughs> end. Just saying. <laughs> She went through it this episode. She certainly she did. did. She um, did. <laughs> well, just quickly, my five was uh, almost all male except for Haley. I think I had Haley, Dan, Keith. I put Keith in there with his with his Tims, uh, Lucas, and Nathan. It was like the which I think is a pretty unstoppable basketball team. But like just saying, but connecting to Brooke. Dom, I have uh, some interesting uh, updates and and information that has been sent to me by a listener. Firstly, before this is going to end a debate uh, that Dom and I have been having for many, many weeks. Uh, but before we answer it, Alicia, it would be interesting to hear what your thoughts are. So Dom and I have been debating whether... In the episode where Brooke takes Lucas to uh, to have, you know, to the bar with the fake IDs and they're shooting Paul and she convinces him to have the tattoo and she shows him the tattoo that's on, I was saying, close to her groin. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I was saying, because her face wasn't in the shot and because, that, you know, Sophia Bush was probably relatively young at that point, I was saying, I bet that's not her, that's a body double, right? And Don was saying, no, that is her. I have the answer, but before we release that, what do you think it is? Do you think it's her or do you think it's a body double? I, I think it's her. I think they zoomed in to try and make it more sultry or whatever. And I just don't give... Hollywood or I guess North Carolina wherever enough credit to care about her age um mm. and she was at this point I think this was like her first big role I just I don't know if she had enough clout to push back whether or not she may have been comfortable with it that's kind of up to her like fair play you do you um but yeah I think it's her okay and Dom you're still certain that it's her What's really horrible is that I've got this feeling that you're like, <laughs> it's not her, and you know, and that's what make, makes it worse, is that the only reason you brought it up is because you know it isn't her, <laughs> otherwise you wouldn't have ever mentioned it again, but I still think it's her. Could you imagine if a listener wrote out and gave me the evidence and I just deleted it and ignored it and was like, you know what, <laughs> if, it, know. if I'm not right, then I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm sure that wouldn't be the first time or, or the last. If you could see the deleted folder, it's full of com <laughs> full of compliments about you and you know anything where I'm wrong. No, okay, so I can confirm this was written by Ter uh, Teresa from Patreon. Firstly, Teresa, thank you for being a patron. Uh, she said. Also, so this was like back and forth from some messages. Said also, just done with the episode with Lucas and Brooke going out for the first time in the DVD commentary. So, firstly, shout out to the DVD commentary. Definitely need to be getting more involved in that because that would give uh, great aspects uh, for the podcast. Uh, for the finale, Sophia said that in that scene, it was her. 
and that the costume designer drew the tattoo on her for that scene. So it was Sophia Bush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Knew it. Knew it all along. Much like Elise said, it's just Hollywood and, you know, LA involvement and production and stuff like that. They're, they're, and that time of life as well, you know, in the world in 2003, there, there's no... There's no limit to what they would have pushed and and put on people and young actors and and anyone at that time and and exactly like you said, she probably didn't feel like she was comfortable enough to say oh, I'm not comfortable to do that, um and it almost certainly wouldn't have had the clout it being her first you know major role to push back and say no this isn't for me we need someone else to do this and so on and so forth and actually she might be really comfortable with her body and quite happy to do that as well so. Fair play. I'm, I'm happy with that result. <laughs> Great. Everyone's happy but me. <laughs> You're never happy. <laughs> uh, right. Firstly, just one other thing before we get into this episode. We're, we're getting closer to Christmas. And when this episode is released, it will be near Christmas. Uh, Dom, there is an... Uh, Elisa, I don't know if you know this. I'm going to assume that you do, being a fan. Uh, but there are a couple of Christmas movies that have the One Tree Hill cast in that is not One Tree Hill. They're like Hallmark movies, so like sort of made-for-TV movies that are Christmas with like loads of the cast in the film, but playing different new and different characters. Now, I've never seen any of them. Um, I just bought some of them online. I think there's like three, maybe. Um, but I thought that'd be really cool for once we're finished with the podcast, we could do special like bonus episodes about those movies. So, Elisa, have you seen any of those? I've seen one which had um, actually some characters you wouldn't have you won't have met yet um so it goes too much detail but yeah it's just i feel like they're, they're good fun <laughs> uh, are they are they sort of films that end up on the christmas 24 channel yeah just christmas films like forever yeah. and they just kind of you know on, on on the go um feel good films you i feel like you're being incredibly incredibly diplomatic because you know there's an army of listeners here that will find you if you say anything negative about one tree hill i've, I've had death threats over peyton it's happened now has it really? <laughs> no people send me because they know that it's me on the messages the most thing people uh send me is like stuff about my, my love for Lucas and how wrong that and how wrong it is and how much of a garbage character he is but they it's always very joking and tongue-in-cheek like I think that there are some fans of some like tv shows and, and movies and stuff that really you know take it so seriously I think One Tree Hill has a really nice feel good vibe community about it and people it's like fun to have, you know, favourites and, you know, least favourite characters. And, you know, yeah, we give jabs at Peyton every now and again, but we still like her as a character. And we think Hilary Burton is great as an as an actor and all of that stuff. And we appreciate the show, but it's kind of like, it's what it's about, isn't it? To have a bit of, uh, a bit of fun with it. So, yeah, yeah. completely. And 
um that's good to hear that people are kind um <laughs> but <laughs> um I do think I think with Peyton it's just so funny because she's loved or hated and like mm. I think anyone who loves her completely understands why people hate her so it's kind of like what are you gonna do yes I, I might rename her I'm gonna rename her Marmite mm. so for uh, any any of our US listeners I don't I don't know if how familiar US listeners will be with Marmite because like a good 80% of our listeners are, are from the US which is fantastic um but uh Marmite is over here is something that you either love or you hate and that um, that is Peyton just gonna have to say she's Marmite from now on <laughs> so firstly I'm gonna watch so there's I think there's three of these movies there's one that's called The Christmas Contract one that's called Right Before Christmas but it's right as in W-R-I-T-E Right Before Christmas um and then i was asking people in listeners on instagram today and i think there's one more that i oh a christmas wish um so i've i've ordered all three i'm gonna watch i think uh the christmas contract tonight it's gonna be my go to bed film i'm excited dom you can't watch them for like three and a half years but that's <laughs> that's your fault you know <laughs> um but you can look forward to them uh, for the for like the final year when it gets to Christmas. I'll buy them for you for Christmas. It's perfect. Brilliant! I can't wait. Excellent. Okay, so let's move in to this episode, episode nineteen. We're getting closer and closer to the finale of season one. The last episode, uh, so you wouldn't have heard uh, heard yet, um, Alicia, but we gave it. A 10. A 10 out of 10 for the boy toy oh, auction. I, I think it's a gr- cracking episode. It's one of my favourites. Because I think you... I mean, you've, you've already gone into this, but I love seeing Nathan and Payson. I think you haven't seen them since the beginning, so it's really fun to see their dynamic. I think Lucas and Haley almost reconnecting with their kind of fire in the water. It's like it, you kind of... There's an honesty that they have with each other that's missing with their interactions and other characters. They've known each other for so long. And I just thought that was great to see again. And then like, Brooke went on her own like life life journey with um, Mouth, who had the best night of his life. That's what I mean. I haven't seen the episode in so long, but it just comes back to me like that. But yeah, um, Brooke and Mouth, I just think it's a really fun episode. And Jake as well, his storyline progressed. And they just... they kept everything moving in a way that was still kind of light-hearted but you got to see growth that's great that's great explanation <laughs> we should have had you on <laughs> i was just gonna say can we just cut that sound bite out and put it into the last episode <laughs> it hasn't been released yet dom i can do that <laughs> that's what i was just about to say we've got the uh the compromising tim situation with deb and dan i just i've never laughed so much i think that seems just hilarious you can see it coming but it was just dan's reaction he just kind of goes well this is great lawyers <laughs> You've got a great memory. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's such um that episode I feel like was such so light in in like not in the content at all but in uh the theme of it like you were saying and it was a bit of like a palette cleanser of some of the the harder darker themes and then this episode 
we're right back in to the serious the serious side of it so um elisa as our guest which character would you like us to start with i i feel like we just gotta go with brooke oh straight like, in yeah just go yeah let's go with brooke should we, should we pay? Should we, I'm happy to save it to the, for later. No, no, let's go straight in. This is what the people want. This is what the listeners <laughs> want. This is what everybody wants. Let's do it. Dom, start us off, my friend. Where where did Brooke begin? Well, we started exactly where we finished the last episode. So we're sitting on a park bench, well, at the river court, and she has said to Lucas, "I'm. I think I'm pregnant." And he immediately sort of jumps to, like, what do you mean? Like, you think you're pregnant, you are pregnant. He he, he needs answers. He needs them now. Uh, and it becomes, a, you know, he almost puts on that, I'm going to be the best dad I can be, you know, even at the age of, like, 14 or whatever, however old he is. But um, he's like, I'm going to, yeah, that's okay. I'll take care of you and we can do this together. And uh, she immediately, like, shoots him down. As well, she it just becomes a I want nothing to do with you episode after that. Oh well, uh, actually they they go off and do the pregnancy test, don't they? Well, so this is where we, they have. Yeah. Well, firstly, it's that the uh, the drugstore will still be open. So, firstly, that means in Tree Hill there must be a twenty four hour pharmacy because this is after midnight. We know this from the last episode. So, small town, twenty four hour pharmacy. <laughs> Hospitals will be away. Are you saying that the hospital's far, so they've got a, they have to keep the pharmacy open just in case of emergencies, or are you saying that the pharmacy is in the hospital? No, I'm saying the pharmacy's probably local, and they've just like I'm imagining like maybe it's a GP there too. Do they have GPs in the US? Yeah, sure. If, if for, for American listeners, if you don't. We GP is what we call a general practitioner, which is like a general doctor. So I don't know if they're called something else there, but basically a doc, uh, fix it all doctor. Yeah. Um. So I'm imagining it as like there's probably one spot where, like, you can always kind of get something, um, because rather than have to track it quite far, um, you just you, know, you can pop down, get a little bit of advice get a pregnancy test or whatever um because it's a small town but i could be very wrong there Mm. no no it's good this is good theories dom has said previously that he wants a map of tree hill so that he knows where everything's located so potentially we can find that and we can put put the pharmacy on there dom yeah uh, we're sort of working out our locations bit by bit aren't we so we know that where karen's cafe is in relation to is it Thud Magazine over the road? Tree Hill Underground no Daily. Absolutely. And we have no idea how far the beach house is because it seems to be a bit of a drive. But when they're there, it, it doesn't seem to take too long because you can, like Nathan can still get to school from there at a reasonable time. So we'd just like to know the, 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 the dimensions and the distance that one Tree Hill, uh, tree hill really covers. I, I think that's fair. And firstly, Dom, <laughs> Tree Hill, there's only one. Okay. There let's is only that, one. True. Let's keep that let's keep that clear. Let's keep that all the way clear. So 
They go and get the pregnancy test. If we're sticking just with Brooke, um, is the next point where they she does the pregnancy test uh, in her bedroom and it's positive as a first time. She doesn't do the test in her bedroom. That would no. be disgusting. No, in the ensuite. That would be. That's a lot of cleaning up. I think if she does that. Definitely not ready for a child if she does that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, uh, um, but so, as a first time watcher, Dom, it's a positive test. What, what were you thinking? You're thinking that's it. This is where we're going to go. This is the road we're going to head down for nine seasons. I'll be absolutely honest here. I I genuinely thought it's a false positive. I thought this isn't, this, she's not really pregnant. So she's either, um, you know, I'd said last week. So one of my predictions last week is that she, she it would turn out that she's just late because of stress or something like that. Something else is, is going on with her at the moment that has caused her to not have her period in time. So uh, I actually, when I was watching this episode, not long before recording, I thought it's going to be a false positive. This test is is telling her she's pregnant, but really, you know, the accuracy number isn't great. And probably for for that year as well, it's probably definitely not great. So, um, yeah, I, I, I was just genuinely wasn't convinced. It wasn't until later on that, that my opinion was changed, but we'll get to that shortly, I'm sure. Well, and Elisa, if you can remember um, as a first-time viewer when you watched it for the first time, do you remember thinking that this was going to be, you know, this was going to be it, and they were going to be, you know, young parents for the duration of the show? I didn't. I didn't. I, I didn't think they would be. I didn't think it would be a baby. I did think she would be pregnant. Um. Mm. So I thought they'd either go the route. I thought they, I thought they were potentially going to go down the route of abortion because of the, the kind of, it's just quite dark. And I'd also like to flag, this wasn't me at like 12 thinking this, this is me who'd seen, <laughs> like, <laughs> who'd gone back. And when I then watched it for the first time, like in, in chronological order was then like, oh yeah, I think I, I now know there isn't a kid um, from that time or anything. I'm not going to give anything, but, um, and that, yeah, I thought maybe they go down the route of an, of an abortion, which I thought would be quite dark, but would be interesting to see. I can just picture you now as like a, a cynical, weathered, like 11-year-old, like smoking a cigarette, like, oh, she's going to have an abortion. Ah, uh, <coughs> fucking bitch. Uh, that's, what I, that's what I imagine now. I can, I've, seen, I've seen a dark side to you now, Elisa. You're, <laughs> <laughs> it's all smiles, but, you know, deep down, yeah. you got to keep it undercover. Yeah. <laughs> Just ask Peyton, right? <laughs> uh, we'll get to Peyton. Uh, Peyton had a happier episode, actually. Well, well, we'll save it. But um, <laughs> let's not give her too much credit. Okay, we're not there yet. Peyton. Um, okay, so um, we've said before that Sophia Bush is a master of tears. She is a fantastic crier um and it's so genuine um what a performance she puts in in this episode obviously we'll get to our judgments later dom i can tell you're eager to say go on my friend 
she is incredibly good at crying. She is. Um, I wish I could cry that well. Um, you don't. You don't cry because you have no heart. You're a tin man. We all know well, this. Exactly. This is this is why I need to. Uh, you, you know, if I could expel emotion or at least pretend to, I would like to be able to cry like Sophia Bush. Well, that's if you could like in the future. And you can choose avatars and things. And like, I'm going to smile like Chad Michael Murray. I'm going to oh, squint like Chad. Squint like Chad. Cry like Sophia. Um, and slam dunk like Nathan. What Ooh, a... Sorry, random fact. On Chad's squint, I saw an interview where he basically says that because he has blue eyes, like sunlight causes him to... <laughs> Like <laughs> sunlight causes him to kind of like his eyes are sensitive, and so he started doing that, and then it just became a thing for Lucas's character because he was just like that. it was bright, and so he just have to supposedly he just have to squint. Okay, there's so many reasons why I love that. There's so many reasons. The first one is that so my wife has brown eyes, and uh, and when when we try if we have to take pictures or whatever and the lights like shining in i'm always squinting and she's like why or if if like the lamps or lights are too high in like the room like in the living room or something i'm always like can we turn them off and she's like, always why and i'm like my eyes are sensitive they're blue so it's another reason why me and chad are the same person we're the same love it chad 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 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Dom, your rebuttal? Um, well, one, I really, really hope your wife know what she, knows what she's got herself in for. You've been together for a very long time now, so I'm sure she has. Uh, poor, poor woman. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I, I, I don't really know what to, to say around uh, the blue eyes thing. I think the, the theory on that might just be nonsense. Probably just bright studio lighting. Most of most of that episode, the episode that's just gone, was filmed at night. So he can't even blame the sunlight in this episode. He's just, just got a horrendous squint, is what I would say. <laughs> but importantly, that soul patch is still there. Still Elisa. Wafting. Do you care to comment on Chad's soul patch? Like he's marring his beautiful face. <laughs> I do I do have a comment about crying in this episode, and I am going to say it now. I was going to save it for when we discussed Lucas, but Sophia Bush is a fantastic crier. Uh, Chad Michael Murray is, is a terrible crier. Not and, having that and... from you. I'm not having that right. from wait, you, Dominic. Wait, 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 wait. No, I knew that he this cried would cause... really I knew... well. He... No, he didn't. Yes, I, th- he did. I knew this would cause a problem because I was thinking this is the point where you cried when he cried. Did you cry? I've got a lot to say about. Can we wait? Did you cry? Just say yes or no. I need to know now. Did you cry? I mean, I was watching it in bed, <laughs> you know. So oh, The lights were sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the lights were bright. I was squinting anyway. <laughs> Tears just coming out. Um, I yeah, I, I I wouldn't say. I mean, it depends what we're classifying as a cry here. I'd say my eyes were wet, but I wouldn't say a single tear dropped. So, so you're close to crying. I was pretty much there. I was pretty, but I'll tell you why. I really saw it. I really related in the, in those moments. I really did, but can we can we wait? 
Okay, firstly, hang on, pause. Elisa, do you cry at at TV or movies? I do now. I didn't for a long time. And then, yeah, I, no, I do. I do now. What was the, the either film or show that you first cried to then? What was it that, what was it that changed your, from a, from a, a viewing perspective, what changed your emotional state to what make you suddenly you? go, yes, I cry at things now because <laughs> I still watch everything. I, I watch all sorts of films, all sorts of genres, all sorts of horrors, <laughs> and I don't cry. Um, I wish I could say it was like a good show. It was Robin Hood. I think that BBC One used to do. Um, and I didn't even really watch it. I think I just kind of caught a few episodes and had nothing else to do. And then, I mean, I'm just going to say what ha- a character died. And I was there like, what the hell is this thing on my face? Like, <laughs> what is going on? Um, I'm, I'm and then I became an emotionally available person. And that was it. I started crying at films. But I remember, yeah, it was that was the first time that I cried at something and I didn't understand why I was like, I have no attachment to these characters. I don't particularly think this is a great show. Why am I crying at this death? But well, there we go. You're probably crying because it was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, what I really love, Alicia, is that you you know exactly when that happened. That's what's more fantastic about this. Is it like, can actually pinpoint that moment. It's brilliant. <laughs> There we go. It stuck stuck with me. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I I can remember uh, the first time as an adult where I cried. I think I might have told it. In fact, I did. I told it when we covered the movie, so it's even more embarrassing. But on the on our mighty nineties episode, can you remember, Dom? Is it Con Air? No, oh. I probably I probably would. I don't think I've cried at Con Air. Um, I maybe cried of happiness because I'm watching it, maybe. But <laughs> we, uh, on the Mighty 90s, our movie podcast, Dom's got the hoodie on for right now. We um, we covered Cool Runnings and we did it with um, Rule D. Lewis, who played Junior Bevel. So he played, do you remember like the, the, the yeah, short Yeah, the he short was a cool one. Wanted to go into, his parents wanted him to go into business. Yeah. Uh, oh, what was what was the company called? Webster, Webster, and Cohen. <laughs> yeah, we. So he was. Um, was he our first like celebrity guest on? Uh, he was our second because oh, we second. had Matt Doherty first. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, uh, we had Averman, Matt Doherty from the Mighty Ducks was our first one. But uh, <laughs> we did with Rudy Lewis. We uh, we did all, just under four hours talking about cool run-ins which was crazy like a four-hour conversation (laughs) we went through every single scene of the movie in order um and even we even quoted parts with him like um he did that and he also we did he has the like epic scene in front of the mirror when he's like i see pride i see power like we got to do that with him it was amazing but I told him and Dom that, uh, so I, I work in um, in learning disabilities and I was working in a in a college in the learning disabilities classroom and it was like the end of a week and uh, it was like sort of a bit of a treat or whatever. We, we all sat down and decided to watch Cool Run-Ins with the students and uh, 
we gets to the end where they have to, you know, carry the sled over the line. And I was like in tears, but I like surrounded by like, I'd only been in that job for like a couple of months. So I wasn't really <laughs> comfortable yet. So I was having to like really hide it. And then like, you know, when you've had like a good cry and then you're really kind of like in a different emotional state for the rest of the day, <laughs> it was a very surreal moment. But yeah, cool run-ins. Um, Dom, nothing from you, is it? Just dryness just complete soulless husk <laughs> once those floodgates open though it'll have you that's just might happen one day, yeah. <laughs> that first one will happen and then that will be it you'll be like just you know opening birthday cards crying just everything <laughs> so one tree hill um the, <laughs> <laughs> what, what else happens to brooke um, who else does she interact with? She has a little interaction with Peyton at one point, right? Yeah. So she the 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 moment that she has with Peyton is on the back of Peyton having a moment with Nikki. Mm. But before all of that, she has her. So she's done the test. The test has come up positive, and she's pregnant. Well, it's reading that she's she's pregnant, and then. The episode sort of develops from there and we jump around a little bit and see quite a few different people. And then she has that moment in that outdoor walkway with Lucas. And it's quite a quite a tense scene where she's just immediately like cutting him off. That's it. You you dumped me. You've left me. I'm now going to be a single mother. And even though he's trying to be nice and kind of do the right things, this this part of the episode started to make me not kind of resonate with with Brooke as, as much as I have done in all the previous episodes kind of like the episode where she's drunk and really really horrible to everyone and I really didn't like her in that episode um it, it kind of started to bring back you know those thoughts and memories of that episode and I was starting to think actually she's being overly harsh to Lucas here and I never defend Lucas but she I think she was just being really really difficult with him unnecessarily what did thoughts what did you think of this, Alicia? Um, I think she was being petty, but it was an understandable pettiness. Like, I got it because it's, I'm not saying it's right, but I understand where she's coming from in that she kind of opened herself up in a way to him. He hurt her, and now she's contemplating having this guy who is the first person to kind of break her heart um, in her life for the long term and so she's just shutting it down and being like look you're she's categorized him as this she's needed to kind of categorize him as a bad guy to kind of almost get over it and mm. then now there's this this has happened so i kind of i understood it um but yeah i mean it's petty it's it's not really it's not good behavior it's not what the right thing to do because he's in the same position as she is um so it wasn't fair to him but it was understandable. Yeah, and I guess we always say this as well, is that they, well, technically they're teenagers, but we see them as young adults. So we try to see them as the age that they actually are in real life. Well, I do anyway. I don't know. Dom, do you still agree with me on this? We see them as like they're in their early 20s, even though they're in high school. I think I think I see them as that, and then I have to remember that they're playing characters that are a lot younger than that so on 
kind of on on reflection of the episode and and Brooke's reaction I have to remember that although I'm seeing someone who's in their early 20s um she's actually being someone who's like 17 so you know it it becomes a although petty and difficult is that actually she isn't that young adult she is that teenager and she is having a reaction to uh abandonment and uh, and really struggling to come to terms with the fact that her whole world is about to change or she feels like or she thinks her whole world is about to change you know as a result of you know potentially being pregnant um it's how she responds to that later that really shows that they're teenagers in my mm. eyes mm. what do you think uh it's good it's good stuff don good stuff <laughs> keep your seat this week but the uh, <laughs> Alicia, what do you think? Like, how, as a repeat viewer like me, and I think we've probably seen the show about the same amount of times. Like, this is my fifth rewatch, so I think we're in it. We're about level here. Do you do you try to perceive? Do you perceive them as teenagers? I mean, it's also difficult because American high school is actually like our secondary school plus college. You know, they'd go to eighteen, so it's kind of different. How how do you view it? Um. It's interesting for me because obviously I viewed it when they were older than me. So initially right. I viewed it as, oh, these, this is what like older teenagers do. <laughs> um, but and then, and then now I look at, I still try and view it as them being teenagers because I think that it, it's almost, like you say, it's kind of when Brooke kind of does what she ends up like doing and saying and her reaction to things, I'm thinking, a 20 year old like what are you thinking you should know better than this whereas i always like look i'm, I'm going to view them as teenagers because it means a teenagers in a heightened reality because that's how you examine their kind of very raw emotions which are and how they react i think that for me helps me understand or kind of yeah understand the show but more without having to as you know i'm, I'm kind of generally a cynical and sarky person so without me going well, that's ridiculous like i view them as teenagers to kind of mm. ease that kind of narrative. Mm. That's it's really interesting because we so you and I watched the show eleven years apart, like as in not in terms of the actual time that we watched it, but in terms of you watched it when you were like 11, 12. I watched it when I was like 22, 23. So it's like for the first time. So it's kind of like the and this is why it's so great to have guests on um, so we can talk about these dynamics. Dom? Uh, I'm watching it for the first time 11 years apart from when you watched it because I'm yeah, 33. That's awesome. <laughs> that's really cool. Think about that. 11 year gap, three ways. That is really, come on. If that's not worth a five star rating, pull your phones out right now. We just, we just did that. That wasn't even planned. 11, 22, 33 five stars right now <laughs> that's crazy okay wait hang on dong so we have to come to you then so hang on so we're saying you watched it when you was 11 so you're seeing them as older than you i watched it when i was 22 and i was thinking of them as well in real life they're probably we're actually probably the same age um but I would like to, I think of myself as a bit of a late bloomer in terms of probably emotional intelligence, general intelligence, uh, and, you know, common sense, all these other sorts of things. So I feel like I was sort of, you know, learning. It was a good learning experience. And then Dom, 
So it's like we're saying, Alicia, you were yet to experience this stuff. I had probably already experienced this stuff, but was using it as a frame of reference to uh, better understand, reconcile, decompartmentalize. And then Dom, you're probably like, you know, 11, 12 years further than when this stuff would have been happening in your real life. Not about, you know, when you had, you know, got someone pregnant and they weren't actually pregnant, but they told you you were pregnant. Not that time. And you went to the all night pharmacy, you know, the only one in town because the hospital was too far away. Not that experience, but... (laughs) You know, you uh so what is it like for you, Dom, as a thirty three year old man? I I think so, you know, some of the reasons why I'm able to predict things and be uh quite on the button is that this sort of show tends to follow uh you, you know, a regular theme and a regular pattern. And if you've watched enough shows and you've watched enough T V and you've watched enough films, you know, in your life, you can kind of go I think this is what's going to happen. These are the two potential outcomes. I'm going to go down this road because I think this is what's going to happen. Uh, and I think had I not kind of been the age I am now and seen the things that I've seen and watched things that I've watched and, you know, potentially lived a bit longer or whatever, I might not necessarily think the same. I might, we might be doing a podcast and I'd be 22 going, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I have no idea. I have absolutely no opinion or no thoughts on it. But I do, I do look at them as being a lot younger and think, well, they're going to make a stupid mistake here. This is what's going to happen now. And that's kind of where I go with it. It's quite interesting that we have the older characters though, because I look at the older characters and I don't see myself as being near their age. Although I'm probably, you know, not a million miles off it. So um, I don't think of myself thinking, God, I'm I'm close to Dan Scott's age. When actually, I probably am quite horrendously very close to Dan Scott's age, which is just painful. So you kind of think that I would associate and appreciate them a little bit more and kind of understand their, you know, feelings and thoughts and, and emotional side of it. But I think because I haven't lived that, and I'm not in any of their situations, I, I don't, but I can kind of feel like I can predict what is going to happen. Um, so now we've got to this point, and you, so you watched it um, when you were 22, so I'll go to Simon, but we watched it when you were 22, and now you're watching it, do you feel that change in association? So you kind of, you felt how you felt when you watched it the first time about being that age and feeling a similar age to them, to watching it now thinking, oh, do you feel like they're old they're youngsters and i'm close to the older people or like what's your thoughts on it yeah that's yeah it's odd i feel the same way as you actually like i feel like i'm not i think also because dan and like keith if we're thinking of them as like the people that we could identify with as as males i guess they i feel like they look older than we do not to say that we're like look young or anything but um I don't know. I yeah, but I see myself definitely as older than, you know, the the younger characters for sure. Kind of in this middle ground. I think when and I don't want to say anything. I don't want to say too much, but I think in the later seasons there will come a period where it's like this is more this is more relatable to us now. But even then for me probably I mm, no yeah, probably hmm, yeah, okay. <laughs> Can't say too much. <laughs> Probably later in the later seasons, there's characters that it's we could identify with better. But even those characters, and Elisa, you'll know what I'm talking about here. Even those characters are technically, you know, a, a lot younger than we are. 
but they're acting like they're sort of in their early 30s you know so when we get to those points and those characters then i think it'll be a bit different i mean at least as a as a watcher now uh, i have no idea what sort of age bracket you're in and you don't need to say never ask a woman their age but um what i mean how do you relate to to those to the characters now or who do you identify with in right now um so right now i I think it's it's honestly still peyton and Haley. i think i have more understanding for the older characters um who but even then it's weird because they're supposed to be like 36 or something they're very young i think it's a stage of life thing if you haven't gone through that stage of life you're not going to necessarily resonate in the same way but it makes sense more to me how or why for instance like karen how she how she parents um makes more sense to me apart from compared to when i was like 13 thinking people are like this is life that teenagers should be living like no it's not um <laughs> and so that that kind of perspective has changed and in terms of i think the teenagers as i've gotten older my perceptions on what is or what of their actions are morally right and morally wrong has shifted so i think when i first watched it the whole triangle nonsense i was all like well i mean it's clear lucas wants to be the patient get out of the way um <laughs> and then now <laughs> i'm like and now i think well in no way shape or form should this ever have happened this is absolutely wrong lucas and Peyton, like what the hell are you doing probably more so even Peyton being like geez like I, my my perceptive my perceptions of those actions and everything else that are going across the season shifts and I have more even more respect I think for Haley than I did when I was younger mm. I fully I fully agree with that as well I mean when I was watching it for the first time I was thinking the same thing I was kind of like Brooke you're kind of in the way here like can you let them get on with it they're destined to be together Brooke you know, find a hobby. But then watching it now, I'm like, Peyton, you're Satan. What are you doing? You're ruining people's lives. Like, <laughs> Brooke is a lovely woman. She's, yes, okay. She's in that odd period, Dom, between a girl and a woman. Britney Spears said it best, okay? But what I'm saying is, <laughs> is, uh, you know, she's a great character and Peyton is a terrible friend. And Elisa, when we get to it later, you're going to have to do a lot of defending of Peyton on this podcast. Coming on here, <laughs> championing Peyton. We'll talk Challenge. about it, my friend. <laughs> okay, good. So, yeah, interesting. Great points. Again, this is why it's great when we get guests on. Love it. What else happens with Brooke? Um, wait, did we actually talk about, wait, so they had the hostility of Lucas and then it was her seeing, it was, but then they got the call from the doctor and Lucas is chasing after her again. Ah, uh, yes. I think. And then, um, that's where he says, how do I know if it's even mine? Mm. He gets the call and goes, trust me, it's yours and walks off at which point Lucas is like, oh crap, I'm going to be a dad. I'm Dan Scott. Um, and yeah crisis ensues so. that, that's great writing I think the fact and uh, uh, Brooke says you know little little Danny she calls him little Danny and it's like that's it's such great writing the fact that 
you know, this is potentially history repeating itself. Um, uh, Dom, in that moment when she gets the phone call, because uh, when uh, Elisa and I watched it, we're obviously knowing that she's, you know, lying at this point. But did you have an inkling then that she was lying about what the doctor was saying on the phone? She was too calm when she said, okay, thank you. So I immediately knew she was lying. I said, that doctor has just said to her, uh, it was a false positive. You're not pregnant. We've done all the tests. You're you're fine. Or there's something else we need to, you know, maybe look at. But actually, you're okay. It might be stress related. There's a burning sensation when you pee. But don't worry about yeah. that. We'll get to that later. <laughs> but right now, you're not pregnant. It's okay. <laughs> we can fix we can fix the others with antibiotics. But you know, the whole pregnancy thing that's a little bit more risky. There's but, a pharmacy in yeah. town. It's 24 hours. You can go there any time of the night. They're expecting you. You know Ed. He works in the back. You know Ed. Yeah, yeah. You see him. He works the night shift. Go and see Ed. <laughs> I I I knew it was a lie. It was too it was too calm and too easy for her to turn around and say, um, you're the you are the only one. What did she say? I think she it's said, I think she quoted, she quoted Greece, didn't she? She said, you're the one that I want. You are the one I want. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Lucas. <laughs> wow. No. That happened. Was that chips, not... chips, chips, chips. <laughs> Was that not what happened? I don't know. <laughs> she, mm. when she gave her dig to him, uh, no, sorry. When he gave, Oh what? <laughs> when she gave the dig, to Lucas, oh, dig. Yes. Um, <laughs> threw me off, Dominic. She's. <laughs> it, I thought that uh, it wasn't. It was a horrible thing for him to say, for Lucas to say. Though, how do I even know it's mine? But do we not also think that he was pushed to that by the, the by the dismissive way that she's been treating him? Like she's been harsh on him the whole time, and that was his pushback. And he knew it was a mistake. You know I'm going to defend my boy here. But what... Elisa, you're shaking your head. Talk to me. Yeah, because they've been together a month. He's the one that cheated. She was so in love with him. I can see I can see why he wants to be vindictive in that moment. But really, of all things you're going to say, that's not it. Because he's the one that was unfaithful. It's true. It's true, Dom. One of my theories is that Brooke um, was actually a virgin up until um, sleeping with Nate. Uh, oh my God, sleeping with Lucas, uh, and 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 having sex with Lucas was the first time that she lost her virginity. Because there there are there are points and moments which you, you know you may remember that I've mentioned um, where she's tried with with people and there's comments that she's made that just made me think, oh maybe she's a virgin. She's not actually done anything with anyone. She but she plays the game you know i'm the head cheerleader i have to have this persona um and she she has to live up to that expectation and it was only in the the previous episode where a guy that she bumps into and goes to kind of um flirt with a a bar says we did this last week you know we went back to mine or whatever and hooked up um i uh, and just the comment that she says to lucas when she says it's definitely yours it's like it couldn't be anyone else's because I've only ever been with you. That that sort of started ringing through my head again. Um, and I don't know if anyone else has ever noticed that or ever thought that. 
about about Brooke and has just always assumed that she has had many partners. I I really do like your theory because I think it, it's definitely because <laughs> I know when I first when I first watch it, I just automatic I kind of like took it as written that that she like had kind of been with other guys and that was my perspective watching that watching the first season it was something that that was my position so i think it's really interesting that you approached it, that you thought about it the other way because i think that is actually something that happens where people put on a front and i think happened like the oc with summer um and i think it, that's a very honestly kind of i think it's something that you could see uh, see her and a character like brooke doing and when I, and I, I would say that when when she said trust me, I think yeah, trust me, it's like it's definitely yours. I was like, yeah, I can see it because she's like, there's no doubt in her mind that it, it could definitely. I could, yeah. I think it's very it's very interesting. Um, I'm trying to like pick my words carefully here. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of step like makes me love Haley a little bit more uh, in that Haley is so. Um, sure of what she does and doesn't want and, and will absolutely not do anything that she doesn't want to do and although she feels like she's totally in love and we will get to Hayley but she still goes you know actually I'm not ready yet it's not right for me and she's quite open about it and quite happy to talk about it and you know she she's open with Lucas about it in this episode and she's open to Peyton in this episode and previous episodes um, and that's really really nice it's nice to have a character that is like that and not you know not feeling pressured but i mean in their own mind they're feeling a little bit pressured but they're not you know then nathan's not pressuring her really he's just kind of okay yeah let's just stay pretty chill about it that's fine um but she's such a contrast from brooke who is so in your brooke is so in your face saying i've done this with that guy and that guy and that guy and that guy that's the perception anyway she doesn't you know necessarily say that but she gives off this vibe of experience that i don't think actually exists and and it's nice to have just like the pure um opposite you, you know in Haley. yeah I, I agree i think Haley has this like she knows herself in a way that i think ma majority of kids and teenagers just don't majority of i think young adults mm. don't know themselves um, for quite it takes time to take an experience and kind of get there, but she has that at a young age, which is 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 fascinating to kind of see. And I, yeah, I think I completely agree. I think it's a very nice contrast to have someone who is the pressure that she is putting on her, the pressure that she is feeling is coming from her, um, battling what maybe she thought she would do versus the position she's actually in. Um, but otherwise, like she knows she does know she's figuring out what she wants, but when she decides what she wants, she's firm on it and doesn't let others change her, which is an admirable and very respectable quality. And I think with, with Brooke, I think whether you think about it in terms of if she has or she hasn't, I think either way, I think she's over exaggerating her experience. If she has or she hasn't, I think she's this front has become her persona and what she's sought comfort in, um, and almost her shield against the world. Mm. And I think that's where maybe her and Peyton are actually similar and probably where their friendship lies because they are both, I think, guarded, even though Brooke is outwardly very sociable. Um, and so, yes, but either way, I think she's exaggerated whatever she has or has not done. 
Um, and that's also why everything has hit her so fast. Because even if she had had done stuff before, or done a lot, or done little, or done nothing, what she went through with Lucas was the first time that she actually did anything if it, with feelings. So she is doing everything for the first time in that sense, which is what made her so vulnerable. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, this is why Brooke's a fascinating character, I think, for me. That was so good. I can't wait to listen to this back and be like, this podcast is awesome. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. I, I have a couple things to say on that. The first one being um, that I completely agree. And I think that's why this watch anyway, uh, Haley and Mouth are really standing out to me as two of the coolest characters because they both are so comfortable with themselves and they're not conforming to other people and uh yeah they're just they're like the people that i would want to be friends with if i was at that school um and then the second one is that i think not only young people struggle with you know identifying themselves and being comfortable with themselves and not having these insecurities that uh, manifest in certain behaviors and so on and so forth like you were saying with brooke and peyton but some adults some people go their entire lives without getting that comfort and and feeling that and especially today with social media and you know the internet and all of these pressures to be like x y and z and everyone's sort of you know trying to having to keep up with the joneses and all that sort of stuff it's like it's uh never been harder i'd say to feel comfortable with just not conforming uh and you know not feeling pressured to be like everyone else and uh yeah so i completely agree and that is why i think on this watch particularly Haley is such an mvp in season one let's not talk about the future because dom i don't want you comfortable we don't know what's happening to these characters you know got nine seasons okay that's so harsh (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what else do we get of Brooke? Did we talk? They go to the uh, what they something clinic. What is it called? Family planning clinic. Family planning clinic, and Dan sees them. Obviously, we'll talk about that when we get to Dan and Lucas. Um, and then we pretty much sort of get for for Brooke anyway. We sort of get to the end where, and we'll talk more about Lucas's part when we get to his. He uh, he talks, he sort of gives the speech. I want to be there. I want to be there for you. If you want this baby, I'm going to be there for you. I'm a good guy. He is a good guy. Love it. Perfect. And then what does she say, Dom? She lied. Oh, boy. She lied. First reaction, Dom, as a first-time viewer? It was more disappointment than anything because I thought I knew she wouldn't be pregnant. Because I thought it's it's going to take too much of a strange turn, and it will be too much of a self fulfilling prophecy in this whole weird little town that has a twenty four hour pharmacy, and that's about it. With Ed's out the back, um, and it would just be it would be too easy for them to write rewrite history, basically. So this it needs to be a different. There needs to be a twist, and it would have been very easy for her to say. I had a phone call from the doctor again. He re-reviewed the test or I had to go in for another test and actually I'm not pregnant or they did a scan. I'm not pregnant or something like that, you know, something ineffectual that would have made him believe it because he would just believe it. But 
she in a weird way she took the honest road and and I, I pretty much link everything to Shakespeare and say that if they'd just been up front from the beginning it, it this wouldn't be a story and it wouldn't be a problem so she's she's kept this going and kept it egging, you know egging it on and he's had to come in and have this really big powerful impactful speech and say I'm going to be there for you I'm going to take care of you and stuff like that and the more it means to her the more she needs to tell the truth uh, is is how I saw it, and she then tells the truth and says, "I lied. Uh, I'm not pregnant." That you know, after that phone call, I, you know, I just you had just called me a slut, basically, and uh, I was very upset, and I wanted to kind of mess with you a little bit, and uh, that's that's the turn it has taken at, at this point. I, I was just a little bit disappointed in in it, but I was pleased that she was forthright with the truth. So it's kind of it immediately sort of set him into this world of you've had me panicking for ages and then he must be able to go home and reflect and think okay actually that's okay and just the immediate kind of you just saw Karen's shoulders go from being above her ears to just like lowering a little bit when when she gets told so um just it has impacted so many different people and and if you think about it they haven't actually told anyone else so Dan saw them and has that knowledge and and has shared that with Deb but he doesn't really know the full situation. Karen knows from Lucas, but no one else knows. So Keith didn't know. Uh, Peyton didn't know. Oh, he told Jake, didn't he, in the end? I felt like he needed to share. But there's just certain people that you thought they that, you know, Haley didn't know, Nathan didn't know. Um, but is this information that's going to come out later? And, and that's my next kind of guess would be that um, Lucas tells Peyton that this has happened. Okay, well, um, Elisa, we're going to come to you for, for comment, but just before we do that, I just want to say, first of all, fuck you, Dom, uh, because, yeah, straight up, to your face, fuck you. Do you know why? You no, know, we've got an ex- we, we have an explicit rating on iTunes, so this is okay. Um, <laughs> but oh, It makes it okay, does it? It makes it okay, yeah. Oh, right, okay, uh, sure. But Dom, you know why? Let me tell you why. Because Lucas had to tell his mum. His mum slapped him in the face because she saw his Good. life, you know, evaporate. I mean, not. I mean, obviously, people have children young. It's not to say that it, you know, ruins your life or whatever. But you know, as she said, and we'll talk about it when we get there. You know, she had these high hopes. She could see, you know, her life sort of repeating, and none of that needed to happen. That's where Lucas, Chad. Had some great crying moments. We'll get back to them when we talk to Chad. Really great acting in the tears. Really sincere. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> um, so for those reasons, Dom, I've already said it. Don't make me say it again. Elisa, what well, was... I was... I was... I'm wait, sorry, I was Dom, we're moving defending. on. Sorry, Dom, we're moving on. <laughs> Elisa, comment? Um, it was awful, but I think... I think- I think it feels worse because we've seen Lucas's journey and that means it just, it feels like what she did was so much worse because they said we saw the slap, which was a cracking slap. Um, And I, whereas in Brooke's kind of timeline, it's been about 24 hours and she's kind of, I rate her for recognize. She recognizes like she messed up. She, she comes clean with it and she owns up to it. Um, and I think, I don't want to say credit because 
what she did was awful. So you can't give her credit for doing what she had done in the first place. Um, but I think when if we hadn't seen Lucas's kind of journey through that those ups and downs with Dan and Karen, we'd have more sympathy for Brooke. But it's almost shot in a way where you're kind of supposed to feel Lucas's pain. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean it's awful. I can't defend what Brooke did. It's awful, awful. Um, but again, I think that's what they do well, and that is awful, but it's understandable. Yeah. True. Dom, do you have any comment? I'm just pissed off at you. The fact that, that me and Alicia basically said the same thing and I got a massive like fuck you. How dare you? I'm sorry, Dom, it just I received it differently. Maybe it was the delivery. <laughs> maybe it's the way you delivered it. Like maybe, it was... yeah, maybe. <laughs> Alicia said it and I felt okay. I mean, I've got my Chad mask here and I was looking at him saying, Don't worry, I believe you. I, I, say the first, I think the first time I fully watched it, I was like, oh, Brooke, it's just the lowest of the low. Mm. So I was very much more so anti-Brooke. And I was like, I don't understand how you could do that to someone. And like, look at what you, this poor boy who's already had to go through thinking history is repeating itself, like questioning his own identity. And you've done this was just some thoughtless comment. So I, I, I get it. I get it. And I was definitely there. But I think the first maybe couple times I watched it, but now I'm like, I see it. I, I get it. <laughs> I, all, all jokes aside, look, I take I take my fuck you back, okay? I take it off. I'm, I'm pulling it back, okay? Giving you a hug. Oh, my little Dominic, okay? It's all love. <laughs> but look, look, Dom, listen. Okay, so the, <laughs> I am... Um, I identify with Lucas so much that when I'm watching it, I'm thinking, imagine I had to tell my mum this and my mum slapped me around the face and reacted this way and was this upset. And then I found out that it wasn't true and I was being punished for something that, yes, was terrible. Completely agree. I Lucas's, and we've commented on it so much, but Lucas's whole behaviour during this whole triangle stuff, terrible, horrendous. Um, but an eye for an eye and the world is blind, you know, like as in it shows more character to take the high road. Like, you know, like Michelle Obama says, when they go low, we go high. Right. So it's uh, and and yes, she is a teenager and she's reacted and we get it and we all do things and we all make mistakes, not just as teenagers for our entire lives. But it doesn't mean it's nice to watch, I guess. Um, okay, well, Dom, before we move on to our next character, what is your prediction for Brooke moving forward? Um, I, th I think she's going to have a really tough time because she's gone from being the victim to now being like the almost like the perpetrator. The, like the, yeah, the complete opposite. So she's the one that's that's caused you know a bigger issue. So e even in this episode, she's gone from being you know essentially a, vi a victim and um feeling abandoned to now totally isolating herself and i think that she'll try and pull in peyton and it's time to forgive peyton okay i forgive you for what you did even though they had their moment where she said you're really not the right person for me to be talking to and and, and goes off and disappears i think she needs to try and draw in peyton uh, and um kind of rekindle or, or seal their friendship and Peyton, I think, will, will, I'll have to include this, I, I will find out 
what she's done via Lucas, uh, and that will kind of uh, alienate Brooke more with their little gang. Um, so I think she'll end up, you know, probably looking towards Mouth and go to Mouth and say, "I've I've done something stupid. I made a mistake, and I need a friend." And he'll be one to turn to. Well, we will find out, my friend. Um, okay, second character, Dom, your turn. Who would it be, my friend? Should we sign off Lucas? Get through Lucas? Because, well, you know, there's some important bits that we haven't covered, but mm. we've also covered quite a lot of him already, so we might as well just carry on with that flow. Yeah, so what haven't we touched on with Lucas? His interaction with Dan in the weight room is incredibly important and incredibly harsh. I mean, to be told that um, you, you, like, to be told by your dad, or your sort of biological father, that essentially he wanted you aborted, that's got to hurt. And still believes it. He still believes that's the best advice. That would be the best thing to do is, you know, I told your mum, you know, about... Lucas, I'm going to abort you. Yeah, about 17, 18 years ago, I said to your mum, you know... Take care of that, yeah. And she didn't. I'm like, go see Ed, the pharmacy, and sort you out. But she didn't. Ed was off that night. But now you're here breathing. What a disgrace. What uh, You've ruined my name. Um, <laughs> and if I could go back in time, I'd have bought you, but I can't. So uh, what you should do is, if you can, abort your child, if that's what you have. I mean, this goes has to go down in like a hall of infamy of ridiculously horrible horrendous dan scott behavior alicia comments oh i mean agreed i'm smiling but it's just because paul johansson is so good um (laughs) but it's absolutely awful it's the lowest thing you can say you can see lucas like feeling almost this like hatred um and because dan's almost smiling as he says it like he thinks lucas is going to nod and go i see your point here (laughs) (laughs) And it's, it's, it's insane. And I think over the course of the first season, you have these moments with Dan's divorce with Deb where you start to feel for him and you start you start to feel like he doesn't want to separate. He's going to try. He's going to try and be better. He's feeling lonely, like stuff with Royal. And you're like, I can see where he gets it from. And then I think at this point, you're like, no, he's just a dick. <laughs> um <laughs> And it's just, yeah, I think it's one of the lowest things he's done. It's crazy. Dom? I totally agree. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Um, Especially with, you know, previously we've said we uh, are starting to sympathise with Dan. We can see his side of of things. We can see that he was trying. When they have the whole family get together in the meal and he's pretending with Deb that they're like a nice little happy family, there's moments where he tries and Deb is like maybe a little bit overly harsh with him. And then, boom, we're back to being top-notch dickhead Dan right here. Uh, and to, to go in and say to this young man who's, you know, just trying to live his life and he's trying to play basketball and he's, you know, being a, a essentially a teenager or young adult that um, that he should have been aborted is just horrific. What a horrendous thing to say. I mean, Simon, for you, this must have been, this must have been actually what made you cry in the episode because he's your one true love. Am I right? 
The problem is, is he looks so much like my dad in real life as well that it's it's difficult. Because I was like, I was looking into my own father's eyes and like, Daddy, no. (laughs) (laughs) You and mum said I was planned. You promised me. (laughs) And he actually said, son, one time I was on a carousel merry-go-round after a few drinks. (laughs) Oh, God. No, uh, yeah, it is a horrible moment, but it is perfect, like antagonistic performance from Paul Paul Johansson. Love it. He is up there as one of my favorite characters of all time. Every time I've watched it, I've just loved him. Uh, so yeah, as much as I, it's horrible content. It's a great scene. Um, what else do we get with Lucas? So, yeah, he has a conversation with uh, Jake, you mentioned, Dom. Uh, he has a moment with Jake. He has to go and kind of tell someone, doesn't he, what's what's going on. And he tells Jake, because obviously Jake's been in a fairly similar situation, uh, seeing as that he has young Jenny and um, needs to offload this information. And, and Jake says to him at the time... Um, it's when I, the first time I told someone I, I felt like you know a great sense of relief and the the pressure was off a little bit so you've done the right thing I I don't really know if there was any more to that though with with him and Jake it was kind of just needed to vent to someone and then that was it and then he disappeared mm. yeah what did you think Alicia um I thought it was nice seeing their friendship develop because Jake's been an ally and to think he was comfortable to go and talk to Jake and not maybe Haley. And also part of it is because obviously Jake's been, been through it. Um, but I thought it was nice kind of seeing that relationship kind of grow. Um, mm. But I didn't necessarily think it really, I'm trying to think to what Jake said. I don't think it necessarily fully impacted his ability. It, like it would have it changed his next steps necessarily i think it gave him some perspective it gave him a chance to breathe but it didn't change what he ultimately did i think he would have gone through the same path regardless do you do you think it was also used as a plot device to to have them in the same room and then and then include nikki because i I couldn't help but think that when i was watching it as well because uh, obviously we see nikki later on with jake in that in that same room so it kind of gets to a point where I th- I was thinking, have they just thrown it in? Have they just sent Lucas to Jake just for that reason, just to make it that little bit tense? I think it's twofold. I think it, I think it just makes sense for him to talk to Jake because Jake's been through it. But it's also to remind us of their rela- the fact that there is this Lucas and Jake, Jake and Nikki, Nikki and Lucas, so that it's fresh in our minds and we then get to that point. It's like, okay... It makes it's understandable why they're having this conversation. Their relationship has grown. So when Nikki goes and tells, was that this episode? When Nikki goes and tells Lucas, don't don't freak me yeah. out. It, it, it was in this episode. Yeah, <laughs> actually, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Which, I was saying she wants to be like, oh my gosh, yeah, it was this episode. The, the, um, the whole oath at the beginning. That's it. You get immediately cut off. <laughs> no, you're you're right. It was at the end of this episode that um, Nikki says to Lucas, don't yeah. don't tell Jake what's happened between us. So yeah. You're right. <laughs> yeah. And I think it was that point where Lucas was then was like, oh no, me and Jake have taken this kind of huge step. Please don't let someone come in and fuck this up. Um, yeah. So I think it, it was 
it was maybe plot driven rather than necessarily character driven if that makes sense that whole moment at the end with nikki well well we'll talk about nikki when we get there but nikki's uh you know i don't know what we'd call it request to lucas to not tell uh jake about you know their uh carousel adventures uh what did we think about this this is a very difficult position for lucas to be in um where should his loyalties go jake i think i personally think he should have gone and told jake but lucas's loyalty was with lucas when he was like cool let's not say anything oh because he's selfish (laughs) wow (laughs) wow 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 Wow. have i ever told you how much i really like peyton Constantly. Okay, shots been fired now. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, hang on. So you think so? It, is you just you just piggybacked on the back, Dom? Like so, you back off for a second. Are you are you saying is that what you is that what you think? You think he's selfish, and that's why he wouldn't he wouldn't say it would be only for that reason. I, I think it's not just because he's selfish, um, but I think it's a part of it. I think he's thinking, look. I've alienated these two women that I liked. I've now only got Haley, who's now with my brother, who we don't really get along. Um, Jake's now this new body I found. I don't want to lose someone else. So I think that he probably waited up and was like, he felt bad for Nikki. I think he probably does feel bad for Nikki. Um, so it's not that they're completely separate, but I think it plays into the fact that it benefits him not to say anything. Mm. And Dom, this is classic Shakespeare, I guess, right? Yes, it's creeping in again, dishonesty and and deceit. But I think I I know we're going to cover Nikki um, in a minute. But I kind of think I need to just drop this in. So last week, I basically called Nikki a manipulative bitch, and I think that she's going to use this information herself it's 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 all part of her game plan she's found that picture she's then found out where lucas lives she said to lucas i don't want you to say anything because she's going to use that information later on down the line somehow so to make jake's life a little bit more difficult you won't let me see jenny that's it i'm gonna i'm gonna mess with your mind so i think she's gonna be the one that throws uh the lucas on the carousel card in Wow. Well, if that doesn't happen, that's evidence to say that you'd be a great writer because I'm not going to say whether that happens or not, but if that doesn't happen, that's a great idea for what should happen, you know? Oh, thank you. Yeah, see, I compliment you sometimes. <laughs> so rare. <laughs> <laughs> we're, if you, when there's something about the podcast when we're when we're off microphone we're 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 pretty much in love like we're eating pizzas (laughs) together you know drinking our sprite and seven up like it's just when we're on the podcast and it's like well actually now there's an audience okay i have to be right (laughs) (laughs) well Okay, actually, actually, while we have you on here with us, Alexia, so we've, I put a, um, I put a poll up on Instagram the the other day, 
and it completely like divided our audience. So I don't. Do you follow us on Instagram? Do you have Instagram? I do. I do. I'm not a big social media user, so I don't always see everything. But I do follow you guys. Okay, so the I don't know if you saw it or not, but I basically just put up a poll on Instagram that said, um, when you're listening to the podcast, do you find yourself more in agreement with what Dom is saying or what I'm saying? We had Team Dom and Team Simon, and it ended 52% to 48%, but it was so close. It kept sort of teetering between like, you know, be Dom for a minute, then me for a minute, so on and so forth. And we had like we had like fifty votes, which like, you know, is you know, it doesn't sound like that much, but for like it was only on there for, you know, a day or something. Um now I'm gonna put you on the spot. Who do you <laughs> when you're listening to podcasts, who are you normally in agreement with? Um I th- I think I'm usually in agreement with Dom. Yeah, <laughs> you're one of the you're one of the forty eight. It goes back and forth, but I think balance probabilities. I'm pro- I'm usually with Dom. That's fair. That's that fair. Means a lot. Well, if you if you'd voted, it might have ended fifty fifty, but you didn't. So I won. <laughs> so fair enough. Fair enough. I think you deserve this little victory. Uh, you just won. You just won this victory. <laughs> should, we, should we cover off the last bit of Lucas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Lucas and Nathan's interaction as well. Mm. Well, I thought was quite important. Um, yeah. Alicia, do you remember this bit? Yeah, because he, cause he got annoyed about the kiss. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was just, he's. Ang- I think he's a bit jealous, but mainly just angry at the world. And Nathan's a target. And I like that Nathan picked up on it and was like, like, what's wrong with you? This isn't normal. Like something's going on. Um, I mean, he didn't care enough to follow up on it, but he noted it. He did. Chad did a lot of uh, hand acting in this scene in particular. I don't know if you noticed it. He did a whole, it was a lot of this. It was like the two fingers, the, was it? It was like this. It was like the two sort of, like the Spider-Man fingers, but up. And and then when he was like, "What's wrong with you? Why are you so tweaked?" and he was just like, "Hands up! It's my fault. I'm I'm off. I'm away." There's a lot of hands. I just did anyone else notice the hands, or is that just me? It's just when he picked up his bag, he nearly hit the ceiling with it. Yeah. Like, Rah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In this moment, it looked like Nathan would have would have beaten him if there was a fight. Like previously, it looked oh. like Lucas has had the upper hand, but now it looks like Nathan would have just. Would have beaten him. I don't know. This is what I was going to ask you. Where do you, where do your allegiances lie? Because I know how much you love Lucas and Chad Michael Murray, but I also know how much you love Nathan. It's true. So, where where how how do you see this? One, how do you see this fight turning out if it turns into a fight? And two, where where are you sitting? What fence are you on? Because I actually think Lucas was quite unjustified. Other than wanting to defend his friend, he wanted to defend Haley and say, like, what the hell are you doing? But actually, the rest of it was just pure, like, emotion and aggression from everything that was happening, like Alicia had said. So, um, what, what kind of what side of the fence are we on? Are we on the you've overreacted, get out of my face kind of side? Yeah, totally. I, I'm completely on Nathan's side. I mean, I've said this previously. I think I hold on to the first five episode version of Lucas as like my Lucas and and then there's bits where I see him and they're like that's my Lucas that's my guy 
love you lucas but then but most of the time i'm like oh nathan you are you are the guy here you are rational you're you you're very clear thinking he yeah i mean it deserved lucas deserved to give to ask him like calmly and just be like oh just you know a bit more nonchalantly uh so no i was definitely team nathan and i usually am really team nathan um you know but it's just when when you have a love that runs so deep for a character and an actor it's very difficult to separate it you know so we're happy with lucas are you um, happy with lucas Lisa? i think we've got the lucas karen interaction so we can do that i think we come around to can we, have we discussed that no oh, not not really it, it enough actually I, which was a great stuff. that it's it's so important as well um yeah. because we've all wanted to do it we've all wanted to slap lucas <laughs> Um, and the fact that Karen is the first to, to get there is amazing. I mean, yeah, it was, it was just so inst- instinctive. She was so hot. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a cracking... I always admire a good slap on TV because it's just... Yeah. It's like more often than not, it just looks pretty fake, but this was, was cracking. Um, but no, I thought that was... It was a really great interaction because it... A, it shows the difference between Lucas and Brooke because he goes and tells his parents. We don't see any of that from Brooke. Um, well, his parent, singular. Um, and I think it was just, you f- I really felt for Karen when she was like, look at like this kid I had when I was 18 and I've done everything. I've put my life on hold and the six weeks I was away, he's gone and just effed it all up. Um, and all the dreams and the hopes and the things that she'd kind of put into him. In that moment, she felt like it was all wasted. And so I really, I really felt for her, and I thought it was really well, well acted on her part, and I thought it was well acted on Lucas's part too. He seemed very shaken, um, which I think is what most kids that age would be like. What I really liked about Lucas in this part is when he ha- comes out of his room and is like, "Oh, Mum, what are you doing up?" Um, and she's like, "Oh, I'm up, just, you know, worrying about everything because that's what mums do." And his it's his immediate awkwardness of I need to tell you something, because um, the the sort of beginning bit of the interaction was just a bit like okay yeah come on get to the point, yeah. and then as soon as he said I need to tell you something and and you can see the fear in his eyes like I don't know how I'm going to break this news but I need to tell her, um, and I I couldn't help but think that kind of you touched on it a minute ago just then that Brooke doesn't have that person Brooke has probably been at home dealing with that information on her own and hasn't told anyone because she doesn't have that relationship with her mum and what's really nice is that Karen mentions Brooke as well and says you're both so young and so just pure frustration so it's just exactly the same as me and Dan and when we got ourselves in this situation and you're doing exactly the same thing and she just she really kicks off but then really has to sort of bring it back down to earth again and since Karen's come back from Italy I've really liked her so, like, I, I, you know, you would have heard me describe her as a bit of a doormat before. And ever since she's come back from Italy, she's just got, for me, she's got better and better. Uh, and then and then this one just, you, you know, although she turned down Keith, that, that was a bit heartbreaking. Um, she's gone and, you know, literally and figuratively reality slapped Lucas and said, your world is about to change. Yeah. Um, just nuts just the whole thing is just a bit nuts yeah i think 
yeah, it's insane. And it, it's it's tough for her. And, and like you said, I think you get to see her go through the emotions where she is so angry. But I think the best part for me about her character is that no matter how angry she is, she's kind of there and she knows her son. She's like, I am, no matter what, I'm going to tell you the truth, but I'm here for you. Um, and that kind of really kind of, I think, shone through in both their first interaction when he tells her that Brooke's pregnant and then when he tells her that, that she isn't. Um, and she's just very incredibly caring. And, and as you said, in terms of the way that Lucas kind of knew, I'm about to tell her there's something that's going to rock her world. She knew. And so when she, he goes, you might want to sit down. And she goes to sit down and goes, you know what? Going to stand for this one. Um, I just, I just, I, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was excellent. Um, and I think, but since she's come back from Italy, I think that is something where she's learned a bit more about herself and her, rather than viewing herself just as Lucas's mother, she's now viewing herself as like a, an, an individual in her own right. Um, and I think that is what you say, the way you can say, see in her scenes, the way she is more sure of herself um, and, and less, just, yeah, generally less passive. Yeah, absolutely. She, she's more willing to stick up for herself a little bit more. And I've always said that she's always been this character that will, like pre-Italy, she'll get into an argument and then within within 15 minutes she's apologised. And she said, sorry, and it's her fault. Um, the post-Italy side of her, and she's, um, it, you, you know, although she slapped Lucas and like immediately apologised, because she, she used to do that pre-Italy. Um, she would get, you know, into an argument and then immediately apologise. Now she doesn't do that, and she stands up for herself, and she's trying to live her life a little bit more, rather than living her life for Lucas. She's living it for her, which is which I think is really good. There is the moment where we have the question about um, like Dan's views and the abortion and, and Lucas brings that up and says, I kind of know what Dan was thinking. What, you, you know, why did you keep me? And that that I thought was was like a really powerful question to ask. And her answer was was brilliant as well. And the way she brought that across, I actually think uh, Moira Kelly um, as an actor has probably given more freedom to develop the, her character because she's just, like literally just got better and better what are your thoughts yeah I, absolutely i think it's just she's so expressive um and i wonder if maybe the way they're filming it now because she's not pregnant and so not having to like you know like angle it or have something covering her that she's now got a bit more freedom to express what she thinks a character is thinking and feeling in how she acts because it, it, I just, I think that you just get everything from her. Like you, do, you almost you don't even need her to say anything. It's on her face. You can see the shock. You can see the anger. You can see the um, the way that she's even apologetic after the slap. Because I do think she was wrong to slap him, as great as it was. That slap was about her feelings rather than his. Um, and, and you could see it instantly, the way her, her kind of, her body, A, stiffens when he says, I need to talk to you then the anger and even at the end the way that she's just so much more relaxed and how she expresses I just yeah I think she's an excellent actress and I think she does it really well particularly since coming back they say a lot on the the cast say a lot about how she was like a really high uh like caliber of of actor and how they uh I think Mark Schwann said even that 
her coming on the cast, uh, her and Craig Sheffer really solidified it having some status. Um, so, I mean, I'm not too familiar with, you know, other projects and things that she's done, but I know that she was, her and Craig Sheffer that plays Keith were both really, uh, like successful before One Tree Hill. So, um, but yeah, she definitely brings a lot of gravity to it with her performances for sure. I think she was Nala in The Lion King, but I didn't know anything else that she's done. Yes, of course. That's crazy. Did you know that, Dom? I did not know that. No. That's awesome. Yeah, because Dom, you can't check, so you, you don't. You never know this stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Is that us covering? Like, is Karen kind of ticked off now as well? Uh, we, we, I think, I think, like, we kind of let's move on from Lucas. Finish off the last bit of Karen because we we do need to talk about her interaction with Keith. Mm. And then we move on from there, pick a different character from there. Is that okay? Yeah, sounds good. So let's go with you, Simon. The the proposal oh, man. and then the rejection. What what we're thinking, what we're saying, what's happening, how are we feeling? Have we cried yet? Oh, well, well, only tears of sorrow for Keith. I mean, I, th- I said on the last <laughs> episode, what was he thinking? What was he thinking? They didn't even, haven't even had a date yet. Like, yeah, it's been 17 years in the making, but... You can't then just jump to the finish line. Um, and I think that's what you'd said in the last episode, wasn't it, Dom? That you'd saying about he's trying to sort of just get to the end there. And it's, yeah, it's sad. And I feel like it's a move made out of desperation. Um, and he feels like Karen's slipping away with Larry um, and, you know, from the, um you know the result of the accident and all of that so it was sad um but and when we talk to Keith about Keith it it's, will be something that's impactful in him starting to make a change you know in his life I mean what what did you think uh Elisa? um yeah I think he was insane um proposing <laughs> I think he's had in his mind, they've been in a relationship for the past 15 years. And it's like, n- no, you've, you've, you've been her friend and Lucas's uncle. So he's accelerated everything. And it was it, it was a move of desperation. But I can, I, I can see where he's like, if she doesn't know now, then really after this amount of time, she, she will know whether or not she has feelings um, or if she wants to explore them. I just don't think that should have been a proposal. Um, he could have asked for that answer without a proposal, it would have been fine. He would have got the same no, but may have had better chances. Um, and I think f- from her perspective, like, yeah, she's been, she's been a mother since she was 18. And now he wants her to kind of, she's looking to kind of, she's gone to Italy, she's seen what else life could be out there. And I think it just, it doesn't make, sense for her character to then want to get married and then want to get married at that point in time she's still figuring out who she oddly she's still figuring out who she is without lucas maybe now that he's gone team and is experiencing other stuff um but yeah so i think i think keith was insane <laughs> dom i actually think that her um response in you know she says that you know i love you and like always will and you're such an important part of my life and you have been ever since I've known you, but th- this can't happen. I actually think her response um, was the right thing for Keith because there's no way that he can move on until he's hit rock bottom. 
and you have to hit rock bottom before you can finally be free of uh, like everything that's you know kind of holding you down and he's got to that point now he's he's lost his business he's walked away from that he's in this world of really not knowing he's in love with karen but you know doesn't really know how to articulate it and bring it across and and really show her and prove to her um you, you know since the accident in particular he's found it very difficult to cope with that um and it's got to this point out of pure desperation uh and wanting to be together that he's proposed and she says no and that's it that's bang slam down at the bottom you can't get any lower than than you've got right now and he can reset and he can start again so saying no is like oh i'm I'm free i'm actually free i've been released now i can go and do whatever i want to do and he even says you know further on this is it this is it me and tree hill and i need to get out and do something else and this i think keith will massively open up now and you know he might disappear for a little bit and then come back i'm not sure but um i think he's gonna really show us another side and and he'll go back to being the mvp that he was in the first half of the the season to you know compared to what he's been in the last few episodes where he's been a bit of a He's been quite a difficult character to watch because you just want to slap him and go, come on, you know, Karen, slap him. It's like, come on, get get back to being the Keith that, that we all know and love. And um, you're not being that at the moment. You're being really, really quite depressing. Um, so I think this is this is the resurgence of Keith from this episode. Nice. I like that. Well, OK, so does that pretty much wrap up Karen then? Should we wrap up Keith with it? Like, should we? What else do we need to talk about with Keith in this episode? So Keith talks to Deb and he talks to Lucas. Oh he yeah. He goes and tells Deb about the proposal, and Deb is like, "Why did you do that?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, it has the, it, the conversation really. with Lucas. We see keith's like apartment i'm guessing it's an apartment or house for like the first time which was nice like we saw it once before when he's like trying on the shirt when karen called on the phone but besides that this is probably the best look we've had at his living quarters which was nice (laughs) um so okay so you've sort of given your predictions for keith is there anything uh anything you want to add about keith elixir no no i'm good Oh, no, I say that it's nice that I think with Lucas, he it's just, it's with Keith, it's always interesting that he always does seem to put Lucas first. He's like, did you, did you tell, he asked Karen, did you tell Lucas? And he's talking to Lucas. He's kind of like, I'm, I'm here for you. Um, I think that's just an, a nice trait with Keith's character. Even when he is at rock bottom, he's still like a solid guy to rely on. Yeah. He, he's so genuine isn't he and he's he's really genuine with lucas it, he is the polar opposite to dan who dan will dan might not even really mean the whole abortion thing and that he if he could go back in time he'd do it again and because you you kind of see the panic and um you know want to save lucas's life when he pulls him out of the car when they had the accident you kind of think all of this is just for show it's just it's all bullshit really um but keith is just so genuine which is which is great and it's great that you know other characters have someone like that to go to um which is great Uh, i really like keith i just hope he goes back to his you know former glory from earlier on 
If I could get a Keith mask, like my Chad mask, I would get it like a Craig Sheffer mask, but it, as Keith, I would I would like that. So I will actually look on the internet later. So <laughs> shall we move into Dan? Does that feel like the the next logical step? Yep. Yeah, I don't I don't see why not. So, uh, Alicia, what what are your thoughts on Dan? So as a let's pretend you're a first time watcher. And you've watched, you know, one to nineteen, yeah. And we've had so many ups and downs with Dan. How how are you feeling about him now? Like, where where are we? What um, emotions have you have you had? He's an awful guy. He's an awful guy who's had crappy his own crappy dad, um, who's projecting his own insecurities onto his kids, um, and onto everyone around him. And it's a classic case of if I'm miserable. I'm going to make everyone else miserable to then make me feel a little bit better. Um, but with that, he is he's an excellent villain because I, I, like, I, I can see where he's coming from. So even with his interactions with Lucas, it's almost like he needs to be right. He needs to know that the crappy choices he's made he needs to know that he hasn't made bad choices and he's still looking, constantly looking to justify his actions. And it makes me think that he probably, because him and Keith have the same parents, that he probably he knows right from wrong. He's done wrong and it's just doubling down. He's doubling down and thinking, if I keep doubling down, eventually it's going to get proved right. And he's almost fighting his instincts because of that, which makes him someone you can almost still, when he's doing awful things empathize with him that's a really that's a really good way of putting it that's really good (laughs) that's yeah doubling down until he's got nothing left yeah i like it but at the same time he's also had all this success with his like business and he's got his massive house and you know sort of power in in this small town and this legacy um, so yeah, it's the perfect mixture for for a villain. Um, but yeah, I think that's right. I mean, Don, what did you make of the interactions uh, that he has with Deb while she's doing yoga of some sorts? Uh, do, when he walks in the room, does he say something fairly vulgar? When it's like, oh, that's a a familiar sight, or something? He says something really strange when when he first walks in. I thought it was a bit unusual considering their current circumstance well uh, yeah he definitely does but i i wanted to make a point of pointing this out it's going to sound very odd but uh to me this is and without giving away too much of a spoiler this is a point in the show where they start to sexualize deb's character like as in pretty much this is the marker it was this exact scene from here on out it's she's a she's different it's like she's kind of sexualized in a way of being sort of i don't know like seductive or being like the i don't know uh at least so you know what i'm talking about here yeah i mean just the scene itself is so incredibly the opening is just so incredibly suggestive and then the way the way they shot it like if they shot it differently it could have come across differently but they're definitely sexualizing her and i mean fair play to the actress she looks good can't knock it but in terms of they have made now it seems like they've made a conscious decision to be like deb separated from dan 
let's make her seem less like a mom and more like I think it, I would say it began actually with Tim in the previous episode of the boy toy mm. auction. Yeah, yeah, um, good call. But from this point where they're like, yeah, she's now an I was going to say an object because I think that's how they've almost filmed it. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, you're definitely right. It was in the last episode that this began. Um, Dom? Imagine that production meeting with uh, Barbara Allen Woods Yeah, and saying, right, so you've had this, Debs has had this interaction with Tim that's got out of hand, um, but essentially we're moving from cardigans and jumpers to everything low cut. <laughs> yeah. That's where we're going with this. This is this is your character trajectory from now on. Imagine that conversation. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, she's a good sport about it, uh, the, the actress, I mean. But, I mean, who? it's, it's hard to know whether... Uh, I like how how that stuff is done, you know, like as in how much sort of say she would have had, you know, and if they'd been like, well, like whether and how far ahead this was planned, like maybe from the beginning, they were like, okay, there's going to be a point where your character will separate from Dan. And so then we're going to, you know, so at like uh, the US office is a good example of this, like Pam at the beginning, um, it's like no makeup, uh, sort of cardigans all this sort of stuff that you said and then it gets to a point in like a couple seasons in where they start she starts wearing makeup and doing this that and the other and it kind of changes but i think it was always sort of written in the character's trajectory so interesting if we can ever if we can ever get barbara adam woods onto onto the podcast (laughs) then you can ask that question dom (laughs) uh well how did that meeting go I, I would uh, okay. add though that it's it's also it's it's the way that she's separated from Dan that you could see it as her becoming more free. So like she's been kind of cocooned in Dan's like aura, like doing things the way he wants it. Spent half her time out on business because she just didn't want to be around in some ways. And she's been she's also similarly been a mother since she was eighteen. So now you could you could view it as her being like, hey, I'm gonna act like. I'm 36, 37, and just kind of dress how I want and do what I want because mm. she can. Actually, that's that's such a great way to to put it and explain it because Dan is very much a traditionalist and and it says this is what a normal family should be and this is how a wife should be and this is how my wife should be and um, how a married couple should act and he's very set in that sort of way even though he's had strange interactions but he's. I think he's forced her into being that kind of person because of the knowledge of that he has about her um her previous indiscretions shall we say with with cheating and and and, and basically falling out of love with him um and that she has felt trapped That's such a great way of putting it um and yeah I suppose you can see that and that's reflective in the character she's becoming now and and the way that she's changing and physically changing yeah that's really good <laughs> so okay so where where do where does dan move forward uh who else does he interact with it just ends up being the interaction with lucas doesn't it that's the the key kicker there isn't it okay kind of covered does he go um, to nathan yes he goes to oh, nathan's yeah. door doesn't he uh and nathan's 
we'll talk more about that i guess when we get to nathan but you know his living uh his his apartment is messy and there's like bottles everywhere and this that and the other and dan's basically saying well you know the beach house is there for you when you know you hit bottom so it's funny you say rock bottom dom because that's basically what dan says and uh you know when you're ready come back and nathan's saying things like well I'll get a job to pay the bills and Dan saying, well, what's that going to do for your game? You know, and sort of keeping his priority is still basketball and still like the plan that they'd come up with, I guess, to like get a scholarship and this, that and the other. So, yeah, I mean, besides that, is that that's kind of Dan pretty much, right? Oh, sorry, no, I was saying, was there the end scene when he's in, in the office? Oh, yeah. Tell us about that with Lucas. <laughs> keep having this panic that i'm like spoiling things okay um <laughs> yeah so i mean he's in the office no it's when he's in the office on his on his own and he opens up the lockbox and he's taking out the stuff for nathan and he has in the little envelope clippings from lucas as a kid um that he's held on to and i think that is where for me is where i was kind of where i, where I look at it and i always forget that this happened and I'm like, oh yeah, no, he he does have a heart. He he's almost trying to talk himself out of caring. Mm. Um, and it's it's kind of like it doesn't it doesn't really justify anything he's done, but you realise that there is deep 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 down a, a guy who who's probably decent, deep down, <laughs> all the way down, <laughs> all the way down. <laughs> Yeah, and that's such an important moment. So important. Dom, this changes almost everything. He, he's he been keeping up with Lucas his whole life. You know, clippings, pictures that look like they're probably of Chad Michael Murray when he actually was a kid. You know, American football uniforms and this, that and the other. What did you think of this, Dom? Were you shocked? I, I, I was quite surprised. When, when he pulled out the card and it said... Uh, like to a wonderful father or whatever and it says like have love from nathan i was thinking oh is he going to pull out something that's like lucas related and i thought uh, he couldn't really pull out anything lucas related because he's not had anything to do with his upbringing and karen certainly wouldn't ever let him you know have anything and then all of a sudden he pulls all this you know these little things out and i was like oh my god he's actually he actually has got a bit of a soul and he he does care and I can't help but feel that he the more he tries to be a bastard and push Lucas away, it's it's so that he it's so that he keeps him like Keith. It's so that he says, Be like that side of the family because um the side of the family I'm on and the side of the family I'm dragging Nathan onto are such bastards. And I really don't want you to end up like that. So just just stay on Keith's side. And if I continue to be like a total twat then, then you'll you'll continue to to be more like Keith, who isn't a dick, and that, that's kind of how I see it at the moment. That he's just being a horrible, horrible person, you know, for that reason to say, actually, I'm just going to, you know, tell you that you should have been aborted and stuff like that. When actually, he doesn't feel like that at all. He just wants you to become a better person and and do the right thing and and really, you know, fight for what you believe in. But he just couldn't say that. That's kind of how I think of him in a weird way, uh, other than the fact that he is still a total dick. It's basically Star Wars, and Dan is like the <laughs> emperor. Oh no, Dan is like 
yeah, Darth Vader, oh. and you know, Keith is Obi Wan, and Lucas is Luke. Luke, oh, it all makes sense. <laughs> and Nathan's Chewy. One Tree, <laughs> One Tree Hill is actually just Star Wars. It was just a ripoff. We just never knew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Both, both of you are killing this. Yeah, this is great stuff. Great analysis. Analysis that you get on this podcast is five star worthy. Tell a friend. Wow. Listen to what you're experiencing. This is detail and insight on a whole different level, and we love it. Okay, so is that pretty much wrap up, Dan, then? Yeah, that's pretty much it, right? Predictions then, Dom, for Dan? Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. We need more lawyer interaction and divorce things, don't we? Okay. Um, I don't know. If it, I don't think Dan's going to change much again in the next episode. But we'll see. I, I think he is sort of swaying more to the... I'd, I'd said last week that he's going to cut Nathan off. And we kind of got to that point, haven't we, where he's just like... He's even said to Debs, why, why did you give him money or you know what's the point just let him struggle so that he then comes back to us because he's going to need us um and i think that will continue he'll find out that uh nathan is going to sell the car mm-hmm. and that'll annoy him and it will just be like look stop being ridiculous come back home and it, it won't happen and he'll kind of push nathan to he's the sort of person that would buy the apartment outright that nathan uh, lives in and charging more rent <laughs> yeah. isn't he? he's that he's that kind of guy so that that's probably what's going to happen that's a pretty good storyline <laughs> uh, maybe it happens maybe it doesn't who knows um okay alexa what do you think should we go to uh nikki and jake or should we go to nathan and Haley? um oh i don't know um maybe nikki and jake because we've touched on them briefly already um, okay tell us about nikki and jake let's try my opinions on nikki um <laughs> I, I think nick nick nikki gets i think a bit of a bad rep i think jake is, is it's understandable why he wants to keep her away but jake is almost forgetting that nikki is still jenny's mother mm-hmm. and and like she's you can't just cut her out like she is also a, a child well not a child mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. when you're putting it in, in like context of the show she is i don't think we actually know exactly what her age is but she is young who had a kid with another kid and was like i, I gotta get out of here and she's come back and last year will be the best person she's come back and she wants to know her child and i think she has a right to do that and by making it difficult she is gonna in like she's one of those who seems like the kind of type who could who could lash out and may not necessarily be the best influence but in one way by keeping her away it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy whereas if jake were because jake is reacting out of her if he were to actually take a step back and be like look if we do this in an ordered way maybe we can find some kind of compromise but he's being so stubborn and she's in turn being like she hasn't her requests haven't necessarily been unreasonable just put it that way 
Wow, so many things here, Alexa. So you didn't hear the last episode because it hasn't been released yet. Um, but if you want, and you can you can say it with me if you want, it's up to you. But fuck you, Dom, because this is exactly what I said on the last episode. Alexa, you are not Team Dom. You're actually Team Simon. You just didn't know because you haven't caught up yet. Um, Dom, I said all of this. I said that Jake was cruel to her. Yes, she's made mistakes, but she is still Jenny's mother. She deserves the opportunity to earn the trust back. It doesn't mean the trust comes back immediately. You got to earn it. But she had. She deserves the opportunity to be Jenny's mother, and hopefully, Jenny would have, you know, more opportunities, more possibilities with having, you know, two loving parents than one. It's not to say, you know, it's just. Yeah, so it's even like Nikki helping financially will will benefit Jenny, like it will. And Jake's being stubborn, in my view, to the detriment of his child. Fully agreed. Um, Dom, can you tell us why you hate Jenny so much and why you only wanted to have one parent when she could possibly have two? <laughs> well, I don't hate Jenny at all. Thanks for that. I have to say, as soon as uh, you started, um, as soon as you started talking and, and talking about Nikki, uh, Alicia, I knew that Simon would would throw this in my face because I'm thinking he said exactly that last week. He was convinced that uh, uh, that Nikki uh, deserves the opportunity to be, you know, firmly in Jenny's life. And I have to say, I I, I didn't. I didn't defend Nikki, but I also didn't defend necessarily all the actions of Jake. So Jake needs to absolutely stand back and reflect exactly like you said and think about it and be logical because he's quite a logical character. He's quite level-headed. He's fairly sensible. Simon describes him as obnoxious, <laughs> but he is a you know, fairly sensible character and he does, you know, can make good decisions, but he's so um, emotionally involved with this and so passionate that he doesn't want anything from her because of the abandonment um that he just outright blanket says no and he can't see past that however everything nikki has done including in this episode has just continued to lead me to believe and lead the audience you might say to believe that she is is manipulative and will use all the information that she has against other people to get what she wants Rather than being open and forthright and saying, I'm, you know, I was, she has said I was scared and terrified and all of that. She's still collecting information. She's still doing dodgy things. The whole scene in the car in the last episode where she's basically on top of Jake immediately got his back up. She didn't need to do any of that. Just be honest and open and he'll probably come around in the end. But um, it didn't happen. And she's done it again in this episode. Like I've already said it. She went to Lucas's after she saw the picture and said don't tell him you know and, and i just feel like immediately there's something dodgy coming from it there's more that's that's going to come out of this she, that that's you know she's not innocent in this at all so i understand that she has a right to to see her daughter and be involved but i i think there do need to be limitations and i still think she's really manipulative i think is i would agree that she is manipulative but if someone wasn't letting you see your baby in the early stages of their life when they're changing every day aren't you going to do what you have to do Dom well, I, I, that's right I brought Dom. This up with Simon last week and said 
um, your your you know your your wife has a baby and disappears, or your girlfriend has a baby and disappears, and get and contacts you not once in six to seven months or eight months or however long it is, and then just suddenly turns up and expects to walk back into your life or walk back into your baby's life, and uh, already has like quite a challenging way about her and a, a way that you find it you know you can't control because she's so overpowering um and you have to protect your child because they've already they've already made the decision you feel like they've already made the decision they don't want anything to do with you they haven't contacted you they haven't asked you know and fair enough it's out of fear but so how would you, you know kind of trying to put myself in that situation how would I feel and I, I think I would be almost the same and be like I'd be shutting that door saying absolutely not no you had your chance and you've left me for six months I've been changing nappies and waking up at well never sleeping because of because of it so you've not had to experience any of that you know yet but yeah I don't know that's that's my view on it I, I don't you know Jake hasn't gone about it in the right way because he's not thinking logically but I don't necessarily think he's in the wrong I don't I don't think he's it's not as clear cut saying he's in the wrong. It again it's he's it's understandable why he's reacting the way he is, but it's not putting Jenny's best interest first. So the only in my view the only person who who isn't at least partially in the wrong is Jenny. Because like she's the only innocent in this. Jake is yeah, I can understand why he's got his back up. Fair enough. But he's still making decisions based on his own heartbreak rather than maybe Jenny's because Jenny doesn't know but like it sounds harsh but she doesn't know um whereas and Nikki in the same way that you can understand why J- Jake's paving the way he is all I'm saying is I understand why J- Nikki's paving the way she she is she probably came back thinking kind of careless but you know what maybe I can get it all back maybe I can get Jake back maybe I can get my baby back and so that's why it may seem manipulative but I also think maybe it was what she wanted she did want Jake and then when she realizes she can't have Jake she's like well priorities Jenny so I'm now going to do what I have to do. And if that means gathering information or whatever, or spying and hanging outside creepily of people's windows, <laughs> like, she's going to do what she has to do because she knows it's going to be a tough sell. So just sitting back but and what... waiting, that day may never come where Jake turns around and says, I'll, I'll, I'll be reasonable now. So she can't afford to just sit back and wait because she's missing out on valuable days. Mm. But she's made it that one step harder for herself by having that little interaction that she had with Peyton essentially threatening Peyton Uh, and then you know that it's not as if that's not going to get back to Jake at any point because it probably will Jake will then explode and go mental at uh, Nikki and say well you know she's just kind of getting it drawing herself further and further away from having access to Jenny so if she she was a bit more I, I you know I'm not of the view that she shouldn't have any access to Jenny? Let's let's make that very clear now, everybody. <laughs> um, uh, she absolutely should, but there's there's a right way and a wrong way of doing things. They're both doing things slightly wrong, but I can understand Jake's reaction and and immediately saying no. And yeah, fair enough. It's it's for his own personal reasons and not in the best interest of the child. But the child's fine. The child's happy. The child plays with keys. Doesn't know that Nikki's not there. You know, has absolutely no knowledge of nikki 
Those so, those keys uh, actually, are Jenny's mother. That Je- as far yeah. as Jenny's aware, those keys is where she was birthed from. But can I- to to Jenny, ignorance is bliss, and she is like fully ignorant. Uh, can, can I can I also just say <laughs> that? Can, I think we can defend Nikki threatening Peyton because we would all threaten Peyton if we had the opportunity. <laughs> am I right? <laughs> oh, it's fully understandable. If we if you had a if you had a free shot, why not? Um, your your reason for threatening Peyton would be like back off from Lucas, bitch. Yeah, I'd be like <laughs> me and that soul patch are going to the river court. And we're going to shoot hoops, okay? And maybe after midnight, someone might come with a pregnancy test. I don't know. It's Tree Hill. We'll go see Ed (laughs) Ed. at the pharmacy. See what's good. Well, can I just... So, uh, again, uh, Elixir, I don't know if it's come out yet or not, like in terms of in our... uh, If it's been released in our podcast yet or not. I actually think we spoke about it on the episode that got released today. But the, the actor that played the baby Jenny... Yes, I'm talking about a baby that was the actor. That actress uh, was on a podcast recently talking about being a baby in One Tree Hill, like in on like a random podcast, not even a One Tree Hill podcast. And I'm determined to get her on to this podcast to ask her about those keys, to ask her her opinion of Nikki and Jake. So it's it's going to happen. Would you be interested to hear what she has to say? I mean, from when she... <laughs> uh, I'd be interested nice. to hear... That's um, I mean, she doesn't remember anything. But it'd be interesting because I know that she, I think, has gone to conventions and stuff. Really? Where oh, I didn't know I that. Think, I, I think I've seen a photo with... It would be what Hilary Burton... Brian Greenberg and then her so that was so Peyton Jake and then her just like she's like an 18 year old I think and and so I think like in terms it'd be interesting to talk to her and to see her experience of the cast in like an probably a means of access that others don't normally get and just insight that can be provided from that perspective but yeah otherwise I can I'd be great to know like do you still have those keys did you become a cheerleader (laughs) shaking them like (laughs) exactly so many unanswered questions yeah exactly i've been waiting for this (laughs) it's an exclusive (laughs) apart from she was on a podcast recently but i know that they won't ask the sort of questions that we will so the um i mean who would but it's interesting you mentioned about conventions because i've said this to don many many times and we're going to go we're we're determined that we're going to go to wilmington after this is finished and go to a convention um but as so seeing those pictures and everything as a fan, as a fellow fan, is that something that you would want to do? Like if they, I mean, maybe not going all the way there, but I mean, or if you could go there, you'd want to go or if they did one in, in the UK. Yeah, if they did one in the UK, I'd go. If I was in the US and there was one on and I could get there and it was like reasonable, like <laughs> I, I would go then too. I wouldn't like go to the US maybe for it. Eh, you know, it depends how idle I am. Um, but like it would be, I would, I would love to go to a convention. It's just whether that could be like feasible. Um, I think it'd be really interesting and just like, I don't know, like appease the fangirl inside me, to be absolutely honest. Um, I think I would probably totally geek out. Um, 
<laughs> so yeah, it'd be super cool. I'd love for them to see something in London, but getting to Wilmington would be would be hard. But if you like, if you guys could do it, that'd be awesome. I think, and you'd probably be able to get a bit more, get some like one to one interviews with the cast, get a little press pass going on, and you guys would That's... be able to enjoy it that's the dream that's why we do this 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 is this is what it's building to but uh yeah no the dream would just be just be to go do you know what's funny is um so i haven't told dom this before um but the they they were they were going to do a convention in london um about probably about five or six years ago maybe even longer maybe six no 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 probably about four four or five years ago um and it was all planned it was all going to happen and i really wanted to go but because i didn't know anyone that that watches the show or anything like that um i thought i can't go on my own that's kind of weird um like i I would feel awkward i mean it's not weird i'm sure more a more confident person would be able to do that but regardless of how it may come across on this podcast i'm actually quite shy with stuff like that so i uh i emailed in because uh, they had volunteer roles. So I thought maybe what I'd do is volunteer as staff and work at the convention. So then I've got something to be doing, but then I can also be sort of enjoying it. And I got accepted. Like I applied, I got accepted. I was going to be like part of the staff to help. And my dream was going to be, I was going to be assistant to Chad Michael Murray and I'd just pass him bottles of water. And, and I'd think of cool little things to say. So eventually he'd be like, oh, I really like this guy. Let's be friends. Hey, Simon, what are you doing after this? Should we go go grab a drink? Go watch the game? I don't know what game. Any game. I'm there. You know, I go, have a great experience. Me and Chad become friends. They do a reboot of One Tree Hill down the line. I'm in it. I'm like his long lost brother. Suddenly I'm on screen. My career's in new heights. And the next time I go to the convention, I'm there as one of the guests. You know, people are asking me for my autograph and my pictures. This was all what I was hoping for, but actually it got cancelled. So the convention didn't happen. I didn't get to go. <laughs> That's so heartbreaking. Oh, man, so close. So close. <laughs> so That's how close I was. But, I mean, hopefully post-COVID and all of that stuff, if they were to do one in, in London or, you know, in the UK then we all have to go and it would be great. We could do a podcast in person, the three of us, and you know, we could we could do it from there, live from the convention. Do we if there's a convention in the UK, are we gonna see you there and can we do an in person podcast, Alexa? Yes, I would happily do that. Because I'm with you. Like I think I'm sure we will do it, but I'm super awkward. So I would feel really awkward walking in on my own. And it's probably what stopped me from going to things like, I'm also a big like superhero person. So I would love to go to those cons, um, but like I'm just far too awkward an individual, but I would definitely show up if there was a one trio convention in the UK. Well, this is, and this is exactly what this is about. It's about building a community so that we can all do this together, you know, and, and create these, you know, friendships and then we can all do it and, you know we can all be awkward in numbers so let's let's for sure make that happen and dom you have no choice you're definitely going to be there <laughs> just have to get to the end of all the seasons first otherwise it will be totally spoiled for me won't it yes definitely <laughs> um okay so where were we who were we with um i think we finished dan 
Oh yeah, we finished down. Uh, uh, oh, Nick, Jake, and Nicky. I think not. Oh, Jake and Nicky. Yeah, we're just kind of getting to the end of Jake and Nicky, weren't we? Okay, yes. Um, so we spoke about, so Jake sees, uh, Nicky sees the picture. Uh, she sees it's Lucas. Um, oh, except of him on a carousel. I can use that. Uh, and The worst you... Photoshop picture in history. Oh, dreadful. It was Awful. bad. Yeah, with, with Chad Michael Murray's face, you mean? Yeah, Awful. They basically just had, like, my mask and just sort of put it... <laughs> over the top yeah did did oh did you notice speaking of um, this isn't photoshop but did you notice that on on jake's where that picture was on the mantelpiece a couple of pictures down in a frame was a picture of mark schwann no yeah wow okay that's so random yeah, it was like a picture like him and someone else, like as if it was like one of Jake's cousins or an uncle or something. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess he likes to insert himself into the show, maybe. Um, but I do think, I think, no, I know that Brian Greenberg was, I think, friends with Mark Schwann, which is why he came onto one show in the first place. Oh. Or I think they'd worked together or something in the past. And that was why, so that was, I think, the main connection as to why he came on. Or when oh. Mark wanted him. I didn't know um, that. But yeah, <laughs> Mark aside. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, yeah, no, it's interesting. I think the Photoshop, I just I saw it and I was like, wow. Wow. I'll go back and I'll have a look at what else is on um, on the shelf. Because I think yeah. it's always funny when they, if they get like the actors, real life kid photos. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, like like we said earlier about the Lucas ones, um, or from Chad Michael Murray. So, yeah, um, okay. And then that's that's pretty much it, isn't it? We have uh, Nikki's sort of using that information uh, with Lucas on his porch at the end, uh, and then, like you said, sort of creepily looking through Jake's window. Very lucky she doesn't get caught because she's very close to that window. <laughs> I'm like, where are the neighbours? Who? How is no one seeing this girl? She's like <laughs> hovering outside people's windows. Like, geez. That's I mean, we the... all know Tree has no security. They, none of them lock their doors. Um, That's true. There we go. But uh, I think the actress does a really good job, though, with her. She does. That's unthinkable. Yeah, it's true. She's very like antagonistic and like her whole interaction with Peyton, uh, it was really good, like in terms of uh, you know, her she's just sort of despicable, but almost in a slight pantomime kind of way, but like in a in a good way. Like it's sort of like Dan, where you sort of you can enjoy her as a character, like you understand her function. Um yeah. So yeah, nice. Okay. And then should we move on to Peyton because we um we haven't like officially covered her and we've spoken about a lot of her parts. Um, I think we start with her with holding Jenny when Nikki comes in originally and then she sort of takes yeah. her out to the back. What did you make of uh, of Peyton in this episode? Um, I think I mean I think she was relatively. I don't think her character necessarily progressed very much, but she was kind of supporting other people's stories. It's interesting seeing how she reacts. So she's quite 
I think she's in, kind of a protective person. So when Nikki shows up, she, she's like, oh, I've got Jenny and she can walk away. And when she sees Lucas and she's like, everything okay. She's that person who now checks in, um, mm. people check in with. And that's been her role, I feel like, for the past, for about a third of the season. So I think that's quite interesting. But that's, in terms, yeah, in terms of her actual story, I don't feel like too much really went forward. Yeah, I agree. She was kind of, she was a bit background in this episode. Like, yeah. um, but, I, you know, we know that she will be back sort of in the forefront. And she's had a lot to do o- o- over the last couple episodes. So a yeah. bit of like a breather for her, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then we've got the whole other side of this of Nathan and Haley, um, starting with Nathan noticing Organ. Oh, sorry. I just want I didn't come back to the Peyton and Brooke interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked that she was still, that she's still worried about Brooke. I mean, obviously she's won the dog house, so she's the one who's messed up, but I liked that she was still kind of concerned. And that she's trying to talk to Brooke and obviously, I mean, men- mentioning Lucas, not the greatest thing to do, kind of idiotic, but you know. <laughs> um, and I thought that it was it was interesting that even with everything going on, Peyton was the one that Brooke wanted to talk to mm. until she was like reminded, oh crap, I can't talk to you. And so it's almost like, you almost feel like Brooke's now holding on to the hurt because it's all she's got rather than, mm. I don't know. But yeah, that was my view. Mm, well put well put what did you make of of the brook and peyton interaction dom uh uh well, quite a similar view to uh alicia is that she was kind of necessary to the plot to move on wasn't she peyton in that she she is now that kind of I don't know how to describe a linchpin is not the right word she is not the linchpin of the show but she's kind of that pinch point shall we say She's the pinch point for everyone at the moment. So Lucas is only just, you, you know, going back to him being able to confide in her. Um, or she's trying to get that information from him. Brooke goes to immediately, you know, default settings, best friend, tell her everything. On a way, I can't because of what you've done. You, you know, exactly like you said, it kicks back in that, that that can't happen. And that interaction has to stop. She's involved in Jake's world looks after Jenny, Nikki is now involved. Uh, she's also involved in Haley's world. You know, she gets information from Haley, and she's become that pinch point to everyone. Uh, Nathan as well has even in the previous episode gone and, you know, told her things about his relationship. And he says, you know, I, I really care for Haley. Uh, I was flirting with you a bit and, you know, trying to get a kiss out of you, but actually I, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to do that to to Haley, so you know she says well don't don't do it then don't don't be that that bad person so she's she's become kind of integral although only you you said a minute ago was kind of like a like in this in the background like a brief character she was actually like a really key role i think today today <laughs> in this episode okay so is, is that is that kind of is that it with peyton yes Pretty much, yeah. So should we go? So to Nathan and Haley, it kind of starts with Nathan's in bed, uh, and Haley comes in. And don't know how she's just come in. Assuming she has a key. If so, big step. 
Well, you just said nobody locks their doors in Tree Hill, so you just walk in. True. Okay. Um, nipple rings back, by the way. Yeah, that's all. It's important because we like to keep tabs on these things. So, yeah. <laughs> I would, did James laugh? I wonder if like James laughed. He got this piercing, and maybe they just had to have it, or if it was just they. I don't know. If, if if we ever are able to speak to James Lafferty about this, it's my first question. <laughs> Only question, actually. It'll be a very short interview. <laughs> Just. <laughs> um, but uh, Haley sort of like, she like leans over to get something or something and Nathan sees the tattoo. So it hasn't been, it's only in the last episode that this was revealed. So this has come out very quickly. Um Alexa, what did you think of that, of the whole reveal and, and the tattoo and all of that stuff? Um, I mean, I think Haley's just, Haley's in love and she's gone a bit crazy with it. Um, <laughs> and Nathan is understandably a bit like, maybe let's pull the brakes. Um, <laughs> because it's a, it's, a per, it's a permanent thing to get. And I think I, I loved her reasoning, I think, in, in the boy toy auction where she says, if I remember this feeling, like that's okay with me. Um, but for Nathan, when he's just like seeing that is almost like this, like she's in it. And I think we're initially meant to view it as um, he's gonna effectively run, which we, as we progress, we see how he actually like is taking it. But the initial scene is almost like he's going, oh crap, this got really real. Yeah. Dom, what did you think? everyone seems to wear such low-waisted jeans that it's almost impossible for that to have gone unnoticed for as long as it has um so that's a complete surprise to me to begin with um (laughs) secondly um it it is a really touching moment when she says you know even if i just remember that feeling from the previous episode i mean even if i just remember that feeling of of how in love i am um then that's a nice thing surely it doesn't matter if i'm not with him forever i think she's she's such a realist and so down to earth and it's really nice and and she goes into um as a weird mode of her kind of having to battle the whole not having sex thing and not having had sex and being nervous about it um and not being pressured into it but also feeling like she's going to lose Nathan by not doing it. So the these sort of self-pressures just keep building and building because she really doesn't want to lose him because she really loves him. And you can really see that, and it's, re- it's really well put together. Mm. Yeah, good point. So it does develop, uh, and, you know, Nathan's sort of saying that, you know, you can put something, like, permanent on your body like that, but, you know, you can't have sex with me. She sort of explains it. We've sort of said earlier on in this podcast episode how great it is that Haley, um, you know, is sort of sticking to her guns on this. She does think about it. Uh, Lucas has a great moment with Haley um, that we didn't talk about. Come on, trying to trying to skip. Oh God, trying to. I got so excited. I started trash in the room. Uh, getting. We can't skip over Lucas's great talk with Haley about, you know, don't do anything unless you feel ready and comfortable with it. I did think, um, Dom, that this might play into your 
you know, potential, your theory, your prediction that, you know, Lucas and Haley are actually destined to be together. And that maybe he's trying to be like, hang on a minute, don't do that. Save it for me. Is that what you were thinking? <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit, yeah. Just, so, you know, make sure you're you're really ready and see past it, wasn't it? Just kind of see past that moment and um, and and work out how you feel. And maybe he's not the right one. Maybe because that's me and you love me and you're going to have the two removed and it's just going to be a little three. <laughs> yes. Good call. That was good. My half brother. <laughs> <laughs> What, what what did you think, Alexa? I think, um, I think Lucas, he got he got a little initially quite shamey, um, where he was like, "Oh, you're gonna you're gonna do this? Like, what are you doing?" And it was a little bit too angry, and I was like, "Okay, slow your roll. You're not involved in that relationship." Um, and it was so I was yeah that was. So I've kind of a little bit annoyed with him, but then I think he kind of he he did he pulled it back and he was like okay, and he gave good, he gave her good advice because I think she's wrestling she very much she's wrestling with this idea she said of I wanted to wait I feel like I might lose him but also then wrestling with the fact that I think she's probably thinking well why did I want to wait I'm now in love is is this what I've been waiting for, um, and it was I think Lucas Gate helped her give her that. Because she was doubting herself, and confidence she is. This was a moment of insecurity, and I think Lucas gave her the reassurance she needed to be like, "Okay, if I'm not feeling a hundred percent, then I'm gonna hold off, or I'm gonna just trust that and not feel like I need to give in just because maybe I'm at ninety ten or eighty twenty. Um, and it was a really like an honest and vulnerable moment between the two of them, um, and yeah i think it's just they're, they're great friends and i love i do like the the romance theory because i think when i was watching the first season i almost because i think in the first episode she makes a comment about how it's not like dawson's creek i don't know if you've seen it um mm. and how it's they're just friends and i always took that as like oh okay the writers are letting us know this so i didn't think about it for the first season i was like sure they're just friends i didn't consider it and then on the rewatches within the first season I'm seeing these moments of oh actually I could like I could see how like sh- like she would harbor a crush on him and he may also have he may also have looked at her at one point maybe at different aligning times they would have both had this crush that has never quite as of that point in time hasn't materialized into something um and I think this was maybe a moment where his protectiveness could border on almost kind of more than just friendship um which is isn't this an interesting one yeah wait till season three dom i mean what <laughs> <Jacob>. uh <laughs> about to cut you off <laughs> as simon for you then as well on your i don't i don't know like how well you remember your first watch and and your thoughts and feelings but are you in the in the same sort of boat where you're thinking oh these two are like maybe they're meant to be or it kind of feels like maybe you might even think that now they're meant to be and it and it never happened just from from this season's perspective you know how how did that make you feel how did you know what sort of thought process did you go through and and kind of have you gone through on each 
watch? Um, well, I it's difficult. On the first watch, I think I don't think I considered it. Um, I think on like um, what Alexa was just saying. I think on these subsequent watches in the first season, it does. It do, I agree. It does look like oh yeah, this does make sense, and maybe these things are seeded in that I didn't think were were in there. Uh, so. But yeah, I don't think I saw it on the first watch, but definitely on rewatches. Yeah. Well, cool. Moving through to back with then to Nathan and Haley. Um, I mean, it kind of ends in a good place again, really, doesn't it? With well, Nathan sort of saying, "I'm, you know, I'm ready when you are." I don't. He doesn't want to mess it up. Doesn't want to put pressure on it. Um. You know, so we kind of end in a good place, right? Yeah. They look quite happy at a bus stop, don't they? They do. Oh, and we get the I love yous. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Navy fans are screaming, going, This is huge, how could you mention it? Um, um yes sorry i get consumed by Peyton hate sometimes it's all i focus on <laughs> all right elixir tell us talk us through the i love you moments he go for it he go shoot he what, says what it thinking? first yeah he says it first yeah i almost like i for, i for, i forgot that she hadn't said it to him um because she said it to lucas and it's just, it's really sweet the way he goes about it. And he's kind of, he's so understanding and, and patient with her. And I think as much as his initial comment in the earlier scene when he goes, well, if you got this tattoo, I mean, exactly, um, is pressuring. He gen- You can see he doesn't intend it that way. He's just confused and that he's happy to kind of go with everything at her speed. And he's so... He's so like in touch with how she's feeling um, that it's a complete contrast to his relationship with Peyton. And I think it's just, and this is where I kind of say, when you pull back the layers from Nathan, you're seeing he's just got a sweetheart. Um, and, and he's just, I, it's just adorable. Yeah, it really is. It's very difficult to have anything negative to say about Nathan or Haley. Not that we, we try to keep... We always err on the side of positivity anyway, I'd like to think. But even if you tried to, I couldn't imagine anything negative to say about this. And her reaction, it's great. It's a beautiful moment. I'm a complete naily shipper, in case it wasn't clear already, for sure. Dom, what do you think? Uh, yeah, on that naily boat all the way. I think they're a, they're a great little couple. And uh, him saying it it felt like like finally i've i've said it i really i've wanted to say it for ages and i've I've really not known how to how to tell you and um her reaction was was brilliant it was just like pure shock wasn't it she just wasn't expecting it wasn't expecting him to come out with it um at that point and it was just like yay (laughs) a lot sort of moment like for her for us for everyone the world all the world is good (laughs) when naily are involved exactly 100 percent. at the moment you know <laughs> yeah for these 19 episodes but, <laughs> okay is there anything else to say about naily no we're looking good 
Okay, so I think that's it. That's our characters. Am I right? Have, have we missed anyone? I think that's it. No whitey. No whitey, no mouth, no skills, no Tim. Just throwing them out there. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, before we go into our judgments, if you have enjoyed this episode and would like to hear about our bonus content and ways that you can connect with us, then listen to this. Hello and welcome to 1030 Productions. He just became a raven. Welcome to Prisneyland, fish. Our network is made up of two podcasts. The Ravens, a One Tree Hill podcast covering each individual episode of the show. And Fox River, a prison break podcast covering each individual episode of the show. All of our podcast episodes are free on all podcast platforms. But if you'd like to support us on our podcast journey, then we have free Patreon tiers with bonus content and ways to connect with us that we would love to share with you. All of our Patreon tiers include all of our podcasts. The first tier, Junior Varsity or The Yard. Get on the train, please. Get on the train. You will receive one week early release on all episodes, Ravens and Fox River, as well as exclusive access to our One Tree Hill monthly bonus episodes, our Prison Break monthly bonus episodes, access to the Mighty 90s movie and TV podcast episodes, and a patron shout out on the podcast. The second tier, Varsity. Look, I've got an opening in my lineup. Varsity. Chance of a lifetime. What do you say? Or Gen Pop. Pop it off up in Gen Pop! All of the perks from Junior Varsity and The Yard and join us live on a bonus episode, Ravens or Fox River, to have your say and ask questions, as well as access to monthly Q&A video sessions. And the final tier, Hall of Fame or The Hole. When you call a piece of white trash who couldn't pass the cops exam and now makes less than a mailman. A C-O. If there's anyone out there that loves our work this much, then we want to speak with you. So you get all of the previous perks and we will invite you on to co-host an episode of the podcast with us. We appreciate any level of support from you listening right now to any of our Patreon tiers. We love doing this and we appreciate you all. You can find the Patreon link in the description or at ravenshoops.net. Right, let's go, let's go. Ravens on three. One, two, three, Ravens! So, we're here for our judgments. Alexia, you're first. You're our guest. Who was your favorite performer, acting performer of this episode? Um, so, for me, I, I want to give it to um, Moira Kelly. Because mm. um, I think, I just thought those scenes with Lucas are wonderful, and particularly from her side just the range of emotions. I think Lucas had that kind of, I thought it was great from Chad, but Lucas's main emotion there was fear and panic. Whereas with Karen, it was, oh, everything's chill. Oh crap, he seems scared. I should be scared. This kid is an idiot. I'm infuriated with him. Oh gosh, he's my baby boy. I now need to mother him. And I think in such a short kind of span of time, I just, I just loved it and thought she was excellent. Nice. Good answer. Yeah, she was great. Dom? Um, I I think that um, Moira Kelly was fantastic in this episode, but I'm actually going to go for someone I, I don't pick that often, actually, and I'm going to pick James Lafferty. And I think he sort of conveyed, 
new emotions that we haven't seen from Nathan. So it was quite nice to see that that love and that genuine heartfelt feeling. So although he's had, you know, quite nice, kind moments with um, Haley before, it's got to a point where it's it actually feels like real love. So I, I definitely think James Lafferty portrayed that really, really well in this episode. So he is my favourite performer for this one. Uh, what about you, Simon? Well, it's going to be controversial and it's different, but I'm going to have to say, and crazily enough, for the reasons that you said you didn't like it, Dom, I'm going to say Chad... And I'm saying, Chad, because of the tears, I thought that the, his crying was really good. And I thought his whole emotion and reacting to Moira Kelly, I thought was brilliant. I, I thought it was a really good performance. But I, And I also thought, I can see both of your choices as well. Um, but it's Chad for me this week. Uh, <laughs> uh, Alexia, what was your, who was your favourite character of the episode? Um... My favorite character against my instincts was probably Lucas. Hey. Um, I just, I, the, he infuriates me, but in the course of this episode, I just, I felt for him. I think he got things wrong, but he tr- constantly was trying to do the right thing. Um, and in a speech to Brooke, I was just like, it's almost like he's finally realized what that he's been messing up from the gravity of that situation he's kind of finally realized it he's taking stock of it and he's trying to be better and yeah i just i I really did i really enjoyed lucas in this episode nice dom i think that's fair enough that's a fair assessment i mean you're not right but that's okay (laughs) (laughs) no i'm kidding that's no he he actually um, if I had to pick my top three performers from this episode, it would be James Lafferty, um, Moira Kelly and Chad Michael Murray. Uh, definitely, you know, Chad stepped it up in this one and Lucas stepped it up a little bit. But actually, my my favourite character for this episode was Karen. I think Karen, for exactly the sort of same reasons that you, that you gave earlier uh, about Moira Kelly and her performance, it was just... Um, she was brilliant and the i i'm gonna stay standing up for this one and the the shock and the fact that she was quite rigid and she got to smack him in the face uh <laughs> you know what a moment she's she's living the dream um <laughs> but i just thought i just thought she was she was quality in this episode and uh as i was saying earlier she's just since getting back from italy she's just got better and better and better as, as a character um and I, i've actually really in, enjoyed sort of her development and in this episode in particular super simon that's what are you saying uh, are you are you gonna double up that's a big big turn for you firstly you had like a two minute rant about how karen was a doormat like in like the first couple episodes or something to where we are now so that's a big character development and character arc so that's good (laughs) uh i am actually going to agree with Alexa and say Lucas of course uh for all of the reasons that have already been said uh what about your favorite song we haven't really spoken about music what was your favorite song heaven with the uh, nanny moment um I'm trying to remember who the artist was 
I do have it in my Spotify, but I just thought it's a big moment and I think the song was, was a great choice and it had a good kind of crescendo and build. Mm. Um, so yeah, I thought that, that was a good one. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, Dom? Uh, right at the end, Everybody Hurts was playing. It wasn't the REM version though, it was Dashboard Confessional, so I'm going to pick that. Mm. Yeah, I forgot about that. It was the, yeah, I... Brooke crying moment, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the confession. Yeah, uh, I I'm going to agree again, and I'm going to say the 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 Naily moment as well. I really like that moment, upbeat, you know. But that actually goes to to show you about some of our characters, Dom. You have to choose the most depressing song in the world, and we're choosing a nice upbeat, you know, moment. <laughs> 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 Spells it all out, doesn't it? Um, it's what happens to the Tin Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, what about your favourite background performer? So someone that had one line or less. I'm gonna be honest, I, I kind of forgot to keep a lookout for it, um, <laughs> so I'm gonna go with Jenny um, <laughs> because I think she's you know she's a great background performer. That baby can act. And um, has <laughs> kept it solid throughout the whole first season, even without a line. Always shows up on time. So I got, we got to give her a shout out. Okay, she's making that convention money, like still <laughs> to this day. So <laughs> that's a good choice. I never thought to pick uh, Jenny. That's good, Dom. I'm desperately trying to think of who I've seen in this episode, like background wise. I'm trying to think so much. Have you got anyone? Have you got someone that stands out to you? I kind of always forget um, as well. <laughs> Jenny was a great shout. Jenny, Jenny's a good one. It's thrown me because it's like, oh, well, anything I say now is not going to be as as good as that. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say... <laughs> I'm going to say there must be someone that Dan drove past when he saw them outside the parenthood clinic. I'm going to say just one of them random people. The one on the left. Dom, who was yours? <laughs> uh, the one on the right. Oh, they did a good job. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And what about your favorite line? Favorite line of dialogue? Um, this one I did jot down. Um, better be careful, Danny Junior. You never know how many kids you'll end up with. Mm, that was line. great from Brooke. Yeah, cool. that was that was my favorite line too. Oh, but, nice! What a quality line! What a great line calling him Danny Junior. Just his face as well. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. That was Simon. I bet yours was a bit more heartfelt and emotional than that. <laughs> Uh, I think I like, um, I can't remember exactly what the line was, but Karen said something about once Lucas had started like crying, went into the other room and then she went to go and sort of, um, comfort him. And she was basically being like, it's going to be okay. You know, it's going to, you're just, you know, you're just, um, 
you know, you're just a kid, that sort of thing. I can't remember what it was, but there was some lines in there that was really good. That's a real cop out. I may, I'll say maybe when Karen said, no, I'll stay standing because that was that was good. I wouldn't want to be sitting down either if I was getting news that was shocking. I want to stand. I want to be ready for it, you know. Warm up that hand for the slap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, and then last but not least is the precious, precious rating. So we the way we do this now, obviously it's out of 10, uh, but I will count upwards to three, one, two, three, and then we'll all say what our number is at the same time. And the hope is that they are all the same number. If they're not, then we will debate until we get a winner. Um, but before we go into that, did you both have a number in your mind before we started our conversation tonight? Yeah. Yes. Has that number increased or decreased or stayed the same during this conversation? Increased. Uh, it's pr- uh, mine's pretty much stayed the same. Okay. Mine has increased also. So this will be interesting. Okay, we ready? Okay, so just to clarify, I'm going to go one, two, three, then we say. Okay, one, two, three, eight. Eight. There we go. (laughs) Everybody is on board for an eight. That's nice and easy. But before we move forward, Alixa, why was it an eight for you? Um, I think... There was just a lot of character growth. A lot of them moved forward. Nathan stepped up. Haley, I mean, Haley's always a boss. Um, Luke, he just, yeah, he went through a whole journey in terms of realizing the kind of person he wanted to be and that he was going to be someone who stepped up and was there. Um, and I think it was, yeah, it was an, I think it was an emotional episode um, for the characters. And I just thought it was, it was entertaining. I think it wasn't necessarily like, entertaining in this normal way um it was more kind of dialogue and emotion and i think that's why when i was watching it i was like Ugh. but the more i discuss it i'm like actually a lot happened that has kind of moved the story forward and i'm looking forward to things that will come yeah nice and dom why was it an eight for you uh, i was i was at an eight from after watching it and kind of all the way through talking so uh, I'm actually quite surprised to hear that your number went up. So you were at a slightly lower number, uh, a slightly lower number, and, and went up a bit, which has never happened to us before. Where you've always been like, it's a nine, or you know, it's gonna be a ten. Yeah. Um, I, I a lot of the same reasons as uh, Alicia is that it's uh, so much sort of character development and getting to the next phase of their story and. Uh, the deceit kind of thing from Brooke was was evil and nasty, but you know, really quite heartfelt as well at the end. And when, when she's crying, and there was some really great acting in, in the whole episode. I think everyone everyone seemed to really pull their weight. It was just it was a really really good episode. There's some funny moments, but there was no. I talk about filler quite a lot. There's a lot of episodes that have just got filler and like just really random plot devices. And although we talked about the Peyton plot device being at Jake's house and looking after Jenny, actually none of it felt like filler. It all felt relevant this episode and everything seemed to fit and it 
it just went from you know one scene to the next and it all made sense and it, it just felt like a really 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 solid episode a really really good one to have near the end of the season and I hope it stays on that trajectory of being quite a high number for the for the last what we got three left uh four I think isn't it I think it's 24 I think no, well we're on 19 and there's 22 oh it's only 22 okay. whoa only 22 yeah whoa. nearly at the end oh that's gone so quickly <laughs> crazy um <laughs> well yeah good points good points um I would say I, I was sitting at a seven because I think sometimes I can confuse bits that I don't like that's the story it's more like I don't like those parts of the characters um but it's not so it's not a reflection on like the story or how it's written or how it's acted. It's just like, oh, I don't want you to do that because I want you to, you know, not do that. Like with like the Brooke confession and things like that. Um, but talking about it, it's like actually this is a really powerful episode and is very important to the overall sort of storyline and plots and character development, etc. So, yeah, I think it's a well-deserved eight uh, and I'm glad that we all agreed on it. And this has been a really, really fun podcast episode. This has been our longest episode ever, but it hasn't <laughs> felt that way. It hasn't felt that way at all. Uh, and I love it. And actually, it goes to show, I reckon we could, I could continue talking to both of you for another couple of hours just about this one episode. Like it's, but that also goes to the credit of the show of how dense it is and how well written it is um yeah this has been a lot of fun so we're incredibly grateful alicia thank you so much for coming on uh it's been so much fun let us know an episode you want to come on in like the first part of season two and let's do this again season two is a whole other bag what yeah. what would be your words for dom without obviously spoiling anything of uh you know what to expect in season two um uh, i'd say some some things come crashing down mm. <laughs> <laughs> literally means nothing to me but uh, i look forward to it <laughs> well what what would you say your favorite season is like you said that you've Ooh. watched some seasons like more than others so what would be like some of your favorite seasons and some of the ones that you don't bother with as um so season season one is my favorite and that's probably for nostalgic reasons in terms of what i think the best the best seasons i think are three and four mm. and i i love five i love five and six i think three to six for me is just like it's it's very good in my opinion and I am yet to rewatch seven to nine. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know I'm, what? I'm, I'm doing that now, though, and and I my views are slightly changing. Do you know what's funny is so I I I agree. I my favorites are probably one probably one to six, uh, and then do you know what I because I've part of the inception of this podcast was I finished a rewatch like a few a month before we started the podcast because I was like okay I need to I need to take this love to the next level now what else can I do and the, yeah. but do you know what surprised me how much I really enjoyed season nine and that's a really controversial thing to say but see, I really enjoyed season nine see I feel like I remember season nine as being 
good. I, I think it was good. My issue has been I have to get through seven and eight to get to nine. And yeah. I haven't been prepared to do that. Uh, <laughs> 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 but sorry, like, no, seven and eight. I've, now that I'm, I'm, I'm on seven, I've just kind of started at seven being like, you're going to just do it. And it's better than I remember. So. Mm-hmm. Well, just but remember nine. Yeah. Remember you get to nine. nine. Yeah. I think it's good. I think I'm going to really enjoy it. Yeah. Excellent. Dom, I can't wait for you to have perspective on all of this. <laughs> you got, got three and a half years to wait. <laughs> yeah, but we will <laughs> get there. So to all of uh, to all the listeners out there, thank you for listening. You can please rate, review, subscribe. In the po- podcast description, there is our email address. You can hit us up on social media, Dom. At Ravens Podcast on Instagram. And you can hit us up on there. Uh, we've already said all about our Patreon stuff, ravenshoops.net. Because why, Dom? Basketballs go through hoops. And they also go through nets. Ravenshoops.net. Uh, Alexia, thank you so much for coming on. It's been such a pleasure. Uh, I'll, I know Dom wants to thank you. Go on, Dom. I can see you're about to do it. <laughs> I want to say thank you so much for your support uh, and and for joining us today. It, your support, first and foremost, means the world to us. Uh, and even if one person is listening to us uh, and we we feel like we're either entertaining or making a slight difference, then that means a lot. And the fact that you've you've come on and you've been very insightful uh, and you've had so much great stuff to say and you've been a great sport and, and really entertaining as well. And it's been great to get to talk to you and, and get to meet you. So just thank you so much for, for joining us today and, and again for your support. Right. Happy to be on it. I really enjoy the podcast. And as someone, I think being in the UK... I've gone through what Simon has in that don't really know many people who've watched the show. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's a great like platform and I'm really enjoying it. Loving your perspectives. Um, looking forward to hearing how you keep your views as they keep watching. And we look <laughs> well, forward and we look forward to having you back on. So season two, let uh, message me later and let me know like an episode that, that uh, you want to come on for season two. There is, so many good episodes right at the beginning and no one we haven't no one's picked any yet so message okay. me get in get a quick pick no, the thing i always want to say pick an episode where you hate payton and i'll come on and defend it <laughs> just take like just that. pick anyone then does your fine <laughs> but my one of my favorite favorite episodes of all time is dare night in season two um and that's pretty early yeah. on so that's a good one yeah uh, but you I'm know any, yeah dom you'll love that one <laughs> but it's yeah anyone that you want you know anyone that's you know uh special to you or anything like that let us know um and our final bit is so you wouldn't have heard this either because we've been doing this on one episodes that haven't been released yet but we now do our ravens on free uh but you as our guest get to choose an accent and we all have to do it in that accent so so far we've done australian uh south african and french okay so what accent will they all sounded pretty similar to be fair 
<laughs> Dom's actually really good at accents. I'm terrible at accents. But uh, what accent will, will, will we be doing tonight? Um, I think in honour of Cool Runnings, that was mentioned earlier, that's Gary Jamaican. <sighs> okay. <laughs> first... I love that choice. Love that. It's a great choice. <laughs> so I've said previously that if I try and do a Jamaican accent, it comes out Irish. And if I try and do an Irish accent, it comes out Jamaican. So who, who knows what's going <laughs> to come out? Um, okay. Dom, you want to count us in? And you have to count us in in a Jamaican accent. Oh, that's that's even harder. <laughs> Come on, Dom, you got this. Hold on. No practicing. That's the rules. I don't want to be. I don't want to sound Irish. I don't want to be like you. You're all Irish. Is, is it is it three or tree? <laughs> you, Jamaica. Do, do they say tree in Jamaica? You tell me. Or three? You tell me. You tell me. Right, you ready? Oh, born ready. Here we go. Ravens on tree. One, two, three. Ravens! Ravens. <laughs> <laughs>